What's up, ladies and germs? I am essentially Deaf and Braun, and that is This, That, and the Other, Biker Mike from Mars. That's right. This is me. That is you. <laughs> so I was listening to the last couple episodes, and uh, I noticed that I say essentially a lot when I'm trying to sound smart. And whenever, <laughs> whenever you want to dismiss a large portion of stuff, you say this, that, and the other. This, that, and the other. I think the last one we did, or the last one that came out before we're recording this, is as a straight white white straight white male. Yes. In that thirty minutes minute episode, I think you said this, that, and the other three times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's my uh, yada yada yada, like yeah. from uh, from what is that show? Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, that's my go-to. I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> anyways, how's your week going? <laughs> like dog shit. Like dog shit. I knew that. That's why I asked. Not as bad as <laughs> Nigel's week before. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I've got nothing to complain about other than <laughs> other than work just being slightly harder to do this week yeah. than it is normally, but... Yeah, you still have work to do where some people don't even have that, and it really sucks because they just, I don't know, something about having your hands busy is very good. Yeah, this is, this is just one of those one of those times where being self-employed is just building up to a time when you're like, I need a break. I just need a break, and, and when you get to that moment, when you feel like that, but you still have the obligation to get through what you're currently working through, it's just everything feels... 20% harder. I, yeah. You know, and, and, and it's not a big deal. It's just a mental, it's just a mental thing to break through. I'm adjusting my chair because uh, I can't lean back. You couldn't do that before we started recording? No, I completely forgot. I thought my chair was proper. <laughs> All right, now I got it fixed. <laughs> yeah, no, I've had a very, um, I don't want to say lazy, but productive. Like, I got more done. Okay, those two things couldn't be even, like, any more different. <laughs> lazy and productive are, like, okay. mutually exclusive. Sometimes you feel like you're being lazy because you haven't been productive. Okay. But I've been just as productive or just as active as I have been, but it's looked lazy because of the lack of visible progress. Like, you can't see anything we've done. We were doing a lot of underlying, like, a lot of uh, repair on this thing that we're working on. And... You can't see it because we're just ripping so much out. And every time we move one thing, something else is broken. So it just looks like we're doing nothing at all. And it looks like we're being lazy and so frustrated because I'm, I'm working. I am. I'm physically moving. But it doesn't look like it. It's like, wh- what did you do today? I'm like, I don't fucking know. I wish I knew what I did. <laughs> and uh, and so now it's it felt like it was more lazy this last week. But we got so much more done. Like, we... we it's just not the, it's just not the visible like oh hell yeah kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's the it's you can actually see what we did this week, and I don't feel like we put nearly as much effort. <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah no it was a good week. Nothing's worse than working your sack off and feel like you've just done nothing. Done nothing. And then on the other hand, when you have a week where things click, you're being efficient. Yeah. And it just it just it feels y- easy. Yeah. The. The fruit of your labor is more evident at the end of the day. Yep. It's, it's better for the whole mind thing. It really, really is. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good week. Well, relatively good. <laughs> I figured out what was wrong with my bike, and, uh, yeah, it pissed me off. It was human failure. 
And we're going to leave it at that. No one else. Everyone who needs to know they they knows even, what happened. They didn't even know that your bike was... was. Did we not talk about it with Nigel? Because this is going on after Nigel. Yeah, I don't think we did. Okay, well. Y'all will hear from Nigel. Well, you guys heard from Nigel at this point. What a great, great show. That was a lot of fun. And uh, our bonus episode that we released... Uh, it will be yesterday, but that you guys heard a week and a half ago. You're, you're messing with everybody's mind. I am destroying. <laughs> from, from episodes that we've recorded, but they haven't heard yet. Yes. And well, they don't uh, know that. I'm messing with your mind, if anybody's. Because they will have heard it by now. Yeah, I mean, there could be like three or four episodes in between the one that they just heard and hearing this one. No. We've got one on, one on <laughs> in between here. We're making a new, so we got to get our content back up. So if Will Smith could go ahead and slap somebody else, that'd be great. Give us an excuse to have more content. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, there was the thing with Chappelle where he got like attempted oh, to be tackled on stage. Oh, and they, and they the, effed him right up. Oh yeah, they really did. And yeah, and you, did you hear about that guy's uh, Facebook post and stuff like that? He Honestly, said, no. thanks Will Smith, Dave Chappelle, you're next. This right. guy shared that kind of, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, when we were talking about a dangerous precedent, that's what we were talking about. And seeing it come to pass is a horrible, horrible <sighs> confirmation, <laughs> like, of what we were worried about. No, you don't don't attack people on stage. Let them talk. Let us talk. He's almost too much. Yeah. Well, thank God he got the crap kicked out of him, right? Yeah. <laughs> Gang beat. Yeah. Which is 100% okay when it's a bunch of comedians doing it and not the cops, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, somehow, yes. <laughs> somehow I, I I support it and I'm... Yeah, a little vigilante justice just kind of feels good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We don't need these cops that are... I think because you're... There's something about having the protection of the police force behind you, like the lawyers and this, that, and the other, that just makes you feel like, oh, they can beat the shit oh, out of somebody. You, Did I? You totally this, that, and the other. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, you're gonna, you make me take a drink every time. Uh, so Shot. when a cop does that, they are protected by their lawyers. When a person does that, like anybody, you, me, whoever, when we do that, we're not. We don't have that same level of protection. Living on the edge. <laughs> like, and that's why we don't do it. Where cops are like, I can do this. Why? Because fuck you. <laughs> or because you're in the wrong here and I can justifiably beat the shit out of because you. Because they have the institution behind them. That's right. The patriarchy. Fuck the institution. <laughs> I am growing I'm more just throwing and more words out. towards anarchy. <sighs> I'm, I'm getting away from my healthy libertarianism. So, anyways, no, it's been a good week. It's been a lot of fun. We got to laugh at some things uh, and not laugh at things. Um, are we going to talk about our topic now? Are we going to just f- jump into it and have fun? Okay, so we are getting in over our heads. Oh, yes. We are doing some serious blue-collar philosophizing today, and we have done very little for prep other than thinking of the odd thing while we're working. Yes. We haven't done research. No. Well, I did, <sighs> tried. Listening to podcasts isn't research. That's my research. That's how I, what do you fucking want me to do? Read a book <laughs> or a study? <laughs> like, uh, if you did that, I guess you'd be a very white collar philosopher. I'd be a very white collar philosopher, in which case. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, read, I read books with my eyes. <laughs> I know how to read. 
Do you know how to read, Michael? Uh, some days. Some days. You've seen my writing. <laughs> they look like hieroglyphs. Oh. Yeah, so we wanted to get into the debate between free will and determinism. Or yes. predestination for our Calvinist friends. Yes. I hate thinking about this. I know. It break, it, it hurts the brain. It hurts the brain. And okay, for those of you out there that haven't thought about it, it is the deep space of 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 the limitations of the mind. And when I say deep space, the limitations of the mind, I'm talking about the idea of uh, ever-expanding universe expanding into something, right? It's this idea of the universe is expanding and they're like oh that's amazing and they're not thinking of like what is it fucking expanding into that means that there is a limit to it and not only is there a limit there's something beyond that limit because it can't expand into nothing because there has to be something there so it's a, it's it's this idea of your mind is trying you just said a whole lot of words that didn't make a ton of sense that don't or do didn't they do to me <laughs> anyways the way that I see it is the more you think about it the more that it hurts your brain the yeah. deep space. Oh, yeah. You can even go, like, further inward. The, like, the further quantum, like, inside you go to smaller realms, the yeah. less the less shit makes sense. Yeah. And, and yeah, so when you're trying to think whether or not you have free will hurts my brain. And that doesn't seem initially very obvious because, I mean, we're sitting here having a conversation. We're exercising choice to say words and we're thinking about stuff. We're conscious and... Yeah, that's 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 on the that's on the the macro, that's on the macro level, right? That's on the on the the subsurface level of we are able to put these words together. Yes, I have the free will to choose what I say and how I say it. But is the analyzing of the topic my mind doing it, or something beyond me, or? from from my past or whatever from yeah. a, a a neurological evolutionary process okay so we're not nearly uh close enough there yeah we're we haven't had enough beer or whiskey <laughs> or to, to what, what are you drinking by the way oh i'm on gin today he's actually. on gin i'm um, on the bourbon gin and tonic mm. yes i'm i'm drinking ryan reynolds stuff here aviation oh it's quite good it's basic. It's no Empress. It's no... Well, yeah, but that's, that's not a fair comparison. Like, it's good for what it is. <laughs> Empress has a lot bigger... This is, I like this one. And I'm poor, so this is good. I feel like it's... it's a good... Nice gins are not expensive. No? They're all right in the same, the same ballpark. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, then I just don't do enough research. I just tried this one, liked it, and I bought it. I think <laughs> because, Re- because Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds is no, hilarious. he is hilarious, but I almost go out of my way not to drink things that are celebrity-endorsed. Like Bullet, I wouldn't try for years because of that Bullet to the Head movie that Sylvester Stallone put, put out. He's like, oh, nothing quite like a Bullet. And he pretty much, it was all about the whiskey on that one. And I refuse to drink it. And now that's all I drink for bourbon. Well, not all I drink for bourbon, but it's so one in of my long, go-tos. So in the long-term, marketing works. Oh, yeah. Fucking gets me. Okay. Oh. So how, how did we get to this point of wanting to discuss this topic other than the fact that for me... Well, yeah. You're the one that brought it up initially. Oh, yeah. So. It, uh, I really do. I, I think I quote Jordan Peterson too much. Where it's... He's your Jesus. <laughs> he is. Whoa. No, fuck you. 
Sorry, he's your St. Paul. <laughs> there we go. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> where uh, you do not have an idea, an idea has you. Where this this thought has captured me, where I'm like, how? Mm-hmm. In order to under, in order to get through it and get it out of its clutches, I need to understand it as deeply as I can. But I don't think it's possible. So at one point, I'm going to have to just let go. I'm going to have to be like, there's no way for me to completely understand this because without doing an unbelievable amount of scientific research. And even then, there's people that are far smarter than me who disagree. So if there's people smarter than me that disagree, yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to do other than let go and drink more bourbon. Yeah, so, I mean, we're 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 tying into some libations and we are just going to bullshit our way through this because that's the blue collar philosopher that's way. That's the blue collar way. I'm sorry, but that is like the first two that words. Is, that yeah. is the blue collar it way. Is, it's the blue collar way. You philosophize stuff with your buddies when you're hanging out and you're thinking about stuff and trying to get a little deeper. But you haven't done research. No. Because like who, I mean, who, who researches the deepest, darkest parts of the mind before going and having a bullshit session with their brothers? Well, the problem is the people that are researching the deepest, darkest parts of their minds are getting paid to do it. <clears throat> Am I getting fucking paid? Am I going to spend 12 years on this? No, because it doesn't pay my fucking bills. The guys who pay their bills? Yeah, they can do it. Go ahead. Have fun. This don't pay my bills. So I'm just going to bullshit my way through it. And hopefully come to some kind of level-headed conclusion, which doesn't sound retarded. Yeah, that that may be asking too much of us today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can tackle this topic without starting sounding a little bit retarded. Yeah, well, uh, but that's the thing. Some A lot of people don't even think about it. And and if you're willing to just overlook it, cool. Congratulations. It's probably a lot easier. Because this is a topic that sucks. It does I mean, it's, suck. it's awesome, but it breaks the brain. It does. Because you're using the brain to study the brain. It's, and you know what? The, it's a little bit of a confirmation bias or even <laughs> the idea, the, the bias that you have. Because there's such a desire in us. To have this independence of these are my choices. To, because, be, to be the master of your own life. And and for some people, other people, all they do is blame their entire life on circumstances of like, oh, I couldn't help it because I was brought up this way or this is my ancestors and my ancestors are assholes. So they drink whiskey and, and punch people like the Irish. And... <laughs> Or uh, in your case, they, they dominate other countries and try to take over everywhere. Remember, no, remember Mennonite, pacifist, <laughs> pacifist. A whole religion <laughs> full of people that are just like, ah, yeah, that whole fighting thing. <laughs> that whole I, fighting thing. We're going to claim religious exemption from that. We don't. <laughs> you ever see that bit about uh, all the countries playing Risk and then Germany's like, no, I don't want to play. It's, I'm way too competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Then England just assumes everything's theirs. Anyways. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So for me, the interest in this topic came up when I learned that this isn't just a religious topic. Like, you know, growing up in the church ad nauseum, like I and so many others have, I thought the debate between free will and predestination was something solely between the theological ideas of Arminianism 
Arminianism Ooh, and Calvinism. You're not that far gone. <laughs> it's a hard word. It's a stupid word to say. It's a stupid word to say. Ar- Arminianism. There's too many in 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 that sounds there. <laughs> All right. So so we need to break down what that means to people okay. so those so, people I mean, don't know. Just to focus in on this one point here, because Arminianism and Calvinism are much, much bigger theological ideas that have more to debate. But there is this topic between them of free will and predestination. Arminianists believe that, you know, every human has the choice to accept God's love and grace, and we are given free will to... To make that choice. Yeah, to make that choice. And Calvinists, at least at the extreme end, um, they're really, really big into the predestination idea, which, I mean, you find that word in the Bible all the time. Yep. Um, they've either been predestination or been elected by God to receive his grace or not receive his grace. So you were predetermined before time whether you will be saved or not. Yeah. And, you know, essentially, like, God, oh, damn it, I did it, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch it. Oh, you're hearing you. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing both of us. Listen to too much of the podcast this week. Yeah, we listen to our own podcast because we need to get our downloads up, you fuckers who don't download or share it. Yes, that is why we do it. <laughs> no, we are actually growing in a health, healthy way. We're trying to, we're trying to figure this out and see what we do that works and what we do that doesn't. The thing is, we're not using clickbaity shit. Except for the Will Smith one. <laughs> yeah. That's our only exception. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Calvinist predestination. Yeah. So that's, I, I thought that that argument was reserved for that space. And yep. to me, it seemed obvious that if you were a secularist or an atheist, that automatically you would just be in this realm of uh, free will. You are the master of your own domain. There's no God to answer for. There's no will or divine being that's pushing, pulling you. There's no destiny, like divine goal for your life that everything is culminating in. So obviously if you're a secularist, you're on the side of free will. Like that, that just seemed axiomatic to me. And then I found out that there are very prominent and intelligent secularists that are very much against free will. Yeah. And believe that uh, free will is an illusion and that your your life is governed and run by a series of things that happen that... Well, ancestral influence and... Ancestral evo- influence, environment. Yeah, like that your choices, are they just happen either algorithmically or just by what your, I guess, nature would be. Nature and even, even geographical yeah. or, or cultural, like you like you are not your own free will, where you are not your own decisions, yeah. but the decisions of those around you and the people of your past. Exactly. So, yeah, hearing, hearing this debate exists among secularists piqued my interest. Because I had totally lost interest in the in the debate between Arminius and Calvinists, I was like, "Oh, yawn, boring bullshit." I lean, I, I did lean towards the Calvinist for a long time as a Calvinistic view because it, I don't know, seemed Mars, easier because of, because Mars Hill. Maybe I think Mars Hill had a bit <laughs> yeah, of an influence yeah, Mar- on it. Yeah, Mark Driscoll as as a 
preacher in you know in the mid to late 2000s when you're listening to his podcasts and sermons and stuff like that he was a very powerful speaker yes and he had a knack for getting you to to he was lean, le- yeah yeah he was charismatic as fuck he got you to lean his way through the sheer force of words and passion and you know and you didn't think about the other side of it yeah because I, you're like freaking a man yeah and he seemed like a dude that i wanted to listen to like he was like yeah, yeah I, I i i i jumped hook line sinker i was in. <laughs> i i uh, i mean but i mean us and millions and millions of other people yeah like he was huge as far as as influence one on of the, the biggest on the evangelical scene for a decade yeah he w- he was one of the first people that i started listening to on the podcast forum yeah. like i wasn't listening to joe rogan in the early days i was listening to mars hill that's all i would download was mars hill so, so so where do you lean now towards the idea between free will or determinism i i struggle yeah. See, I answer that question, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you see, I struggle is far less sophisticated than yes. You fucking pompous. <laughs> yeah, it, that's exactly it. I, I do believe... The, the problem is that I, I do attribute a lot of influence to culture and your your group and also your upbringing there's many factors when people just like to say i am my own being which means that with that being said wherever you go you can do whatever you want become become whatever kind of person you want when i first moved to port st john from out east i had an opportunity to do whatever the fuck i wanted i could become whoever i had nobody here to hold me liable like to, to really, to, or to hold me accountable. And I could, I could do whatever I wanted. I knew two people and they could just be like, oh yeah, Mike went off the rails. Like I, and I could have just disappeared. But what did I choose to do? I chose to find a good church and get involved. Was it because of the way I was raised? Was it because yeah, of did, my, did you, my, did like, you did, choose, I, did I have any Did choice? you choose that or was, were you... Like, conditioned was it, yeah were you, was that an impulse mm-hmm. were you drawn to that and I, I'd, I'd like to think that i had a choice and i was like no this is actually who i am and that's where i like to think that i have so who you are determines your destiny your your nature does yeah and uh, well, some might say <laughs> or was i just that's where I knew I could be accepted. So I'm going to go to the place where I know that I can fit. I know I can fit in a church. I know that I could go to any church. I could sound as pretty as I need to and people are so going to listen. So your, your, your lizard brain or your monkey brain, whatever, whichever lizard. layer, whichever layer that is, was drawn towards safety. Yes. The, the warm place. Yeah. And I, I, I do think and if I was going to attract a mate, that's where I was going to go. I was going to go to a place where I had my best possible option or at least opportunity. I could go to the bar, but I knew that I knew even as a young adult that that was going to be temporary or it wasn't going to work or it was not going to last because I wouldn't share any values. Yeah. Um, it would be short-term gain, long-term loss. And... Yeah. But I mean, like in that moment, are you thinking of all these things specifically? No, fuck no. <laughs> no. Like it's that, you know, it's just, well, this is the, what I do. This is where I go. This is, this yeah. is me. This is who I get involved with to keep myself in check or not even to keep myself in check. Cause this is just what I do. Mm-hmm. 
I get involved with something or someone to, to keep me occupied in a positive direction or what I perceive to be a positive direction. And I say perceive because I don't know, maybe there was a better one. But it's the safe one. It's the, it's it the, is the one I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's the culture that you know, the culture that you've been brought up in. It's in a new place, but this is this still this is this is, this is the warm cozy spot. Yeah. My headphones are doing some kind of funky shit. I can hear them clicking in my ear. Uh, I think it's your seat. No, I can hear like right here, <laughs> it turning slightly. Uh, interesting. Because <laughs> they pivot. Uh, we just need new headphones. So if you guys want to go ahead and send us some brand new headphones, uh, that'd be much appreciated. Uh, okay. Well, and <laughs> apart from shameless begging, <laughs> let's, let's define our terms here. It's like, all right. This, so we this, got to predestination. Yeah, we this, got to, this is a, uh, this is a topic well. where words can get really spongy. Yes. So in, let's, let's take our own advice from our, uh, language and listening podcast. Yes. And determine what words mean. Yeah. Or, or at least have an idea of what each of us thinks when we say those words. So let's start with free will. Free will. Um, hmm. Okay. My understanding of the word free will is that I, as an individual can make a choice to do whatever I want not without consequence, of course, but I, I am physically capable and mentally capable of doing what I want, when I want, how I want, n- undetermined by uh, chemical or evolutionary influence. Because it, 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 I can. Yeah. So That's I, my best way yeah. to put it without. <laughs> yeah, so I think as far as I consider free will to be like just in my normal day-to-day like working of it I would, it'd be almost the same but I instead of of saying the chemical or evolution part I would say I am free of destiny like I I'm not bound by any cosmic or fate or anything or, like that yeah I'm not fated to anything mm-hmm. like I'm I like I've I'm, I'm able to consciously make my own choices and and muddle my way through life and it's 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 all on me yeah and everything that i do is a choice for better or worse and it's mine it's not coming from anywhere else i mean it's basically the same thing as what you're saying yeah Um, just as a more spiritual yeah i think fate and fate fate and um destiny have a very spiritual connotation to it where they don't have to necessarily they don't have to but they they ideologically they do because it, down to an ide- ideological level, what's the difference between destiny and evolution? Um, because evolution, I don't know, has a, adaptive principles where... Yeah, it's got an adaptive principles, but evolution is a theory within a larger framework of theories that goes all the way to just essential physics and stuff. Oh, damn it, essential. <laughs> Fuck! Well, this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. uh, no... <laughs> Okay. What do you want me to like cloud? Like, I know we need we need a buzzer when when uh, each of us says our our, our, our buzzword. Our buzzword. Hundred percent. I say hundred percent. I know I say hundred percent a lot. I don't mind. Or <laughs> you're not thinking. Yeah, I yeah. I listen to them like ah, I say that too much. I'm gonna shut up. Well, where was I? Where was I before I screwed myself? Uh, over destination. There? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the difference between destiny as a spiritual concept. And I guess evolutionary. evolutionary. So 
I don't I don't see destiny or fate as solely spiritual like uh solely spiritual determinants. Yeah, it's not a solely spiritual term because as we're going to get into and when when secularists talk about uh determinism or lack of free will like you if you if if from a purely secular standpoint you could look at the world around you and you could gather enough information and have uh, enough capacity to look at what's happening and be able to project, you know, because everything cause and effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a law of physics. That, that's just a law of life. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens has a greater... Uh, a, an For equal, every action, there'll be an equal and opposite yeah, reaction. Yeah, an equal and opposite reaction, right? So if that's the case and you had enough information and enough capacity to compute that information, you could basically predict everything to the end of time, right? Because you could see, oh, you know, doing this, clinking this glass here uh, does this, and then that action does that, and then that action does that. Yeah, you know, like you could, you know, you could take a, shoot a bullet into, uh, you know, a big... Mass of people, like in Las Vegas a couple of years back, and if you could know the, the trajectory of the bullet and what it's going to hit, what the wind speed is, the density of what it will hit, you yeah. can, you know, like if you had enough of those things, you could predict, okay, it'll do that, it'll do that, it'll do that, it'll hit this many people. Like you yeah. can, you can determine the destiny of that bullet mm-hmm. based on information. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with spirituality. Okay. Right. All right. Okay. So I think we, we, we're pretty close. I still think we're relatively close when it yeah. comes to that. Well, like I, w- I wouldn't put us completely off. Okay. So we've figured out free will. Now, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's a very, very coded word. We figured out free we, will. We figured out what each other means by free will. Yeah. And I think in my answer, I also said what I mean when I mean determinism. Essentially, yes. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> all right so what do you mean when you mean fate or determinism or uh, fate is something that you can't change when i when i think of determinism and fate and and destiny is is these are things this is going to be the line that you you ever seen that movie uh seven monkeys yeah yeah where for all the fighting he does to get away from this or to change the past he ended up doing exactly what he was destined to do because he couldn't he change, didn't it. change a damn thing. He didn't change a damn thing. He was part of. <laughs> he was part of the cycle, and yeah. where that's what I think of when it comes to predestination or fate or whatever yeah. is the no matter what you're doing, you're going to end up exactly where you're going to where you were intended to, or you were going to end up anyways. It's the uh, once an addict, always an addict kind of mentality of things. Of the, this is just who you are, and you can't change it. Mm-hmm. And I and it, there's a certain level of freeing of responsibility in that that I just hate so much because if you can't help it then why try and, and that's where I like the idea of free will because I, I want to believe because it is because of your choices that you do have a chance and that's where I struggle with it because there is so much evolutionary influence on it or I don't know destiny influence that that does come into some things of you were shot out of a 
broken barrel and your life might be shit but i gotta believe that you can still hit a good target like that you can change things i don't believe in the the destiny theory because i'm just like no well you know i think i think that if it wasn't for conscious beings like like humans yeah determinism makes perfect sense oh yeah like if not for life Determinism makes perfect sense because let's say the big bang happens, this, that, and the other happens out there in the cosmos. I can do if I play this game too. (laughs) (laughs) This bangs into that. It, it, you know, uh, it, it, a cascade effects, it all blows up, gas collects in, in galaxies and then dissipates, you know, and then it winds up with the heat death of the universe and, you know, uh, entropy, Cosmic entropy, yeah. and you know, it, it's predictable. That's that's what happens. But in the meantime, we find ourselves on this floating island in the cosmos where life exists, and that means chaos, <laughs> you know, and new things happening or things happening in an unpredictable way. So, for the beings on this floating island, like, yes. Ultimately, we'll all die, and the heat death of the universe will occur, and, you know, it won't mean anything materially. You can, if you look at it from a spiritual end of it, like, okay, heaven, afterlife, uh, influence of God that changes directions. Okay, but that's a different question than just what is happening to all the mass in the universe. That is entirely deterministic. Yeah. You know? Like no level of, no level of chaos can change what will ultimately happen to all the matter of the universe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but, but yeah, and I believe yeah, like you said, conscient consciousness is a determining factor on that one because there's a there there is a, a a chemical chemical reaction that can't be altered. There are things that are we can't change in some areas, but consciousness. I like to think <laughs> that it, it is the the thing that changes everything that gives us at least the opportunity in our own short lifespan to alter generation upon generations and and hopefully influence positively in a lot of areas. But there's a lot of people out there who say that no, you Let's say even that's an illusion. It's a, it, yeah. yeah. It's, and, okay, so let, let's leave the spiritual aspect of this aside. Like, I, I, did, I, did, I wasn't going spiritual. Yeah. You perceived for spiritual. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I actually didn't. Okay, all right. I, I was, sorry, I was projecting myself because I was tempted to interject with a spiritual with uh, what what a fundamentalist Christian might might yeah. say in response to that question yeah. or to to that statement that you made. But it's, sorry, I want to put that to the side. Yeah. I'll bring it back a little bit later where we can talk about. How, oh, how this, God. this might be a multi, multi-episode thing too. No, this is going to take. We're going to fucking three hours. Or we'll as long it. as this takes. I don't think I have <laughs> enough whiskey. <laughs> I uh, I don't plan on driving you home tonight, by the way. <laughs> like, it, is, it is what it is. All right. You, you have fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't want to have too much fun. Otherwise, this this will not be enjoyable. 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 Enjoyable for the people that are listening. So I am going to attempt to um, remain. One more glass of that, and you're not going to give a fuck. Then I'll switch to beer. But that, at that point, damage will be done, and we'll be having our All own. Right. We'll be having our own good time. Yeah. Regardless of what everybody thinks. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're not doing this for you. This is for our. I. I. Do you, I enjoy this. I love being able to put these conversations out there. I really do. Like, I don't know what it is. I. It's our destiny, Michael. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so yeah, after you, you injected spirituality into the conversation where I wasn't quite there. But anyways, <laughs> so taking spirituality out of it completely, looking at it from a a scientific point of view when it comes to this stuff, the scientific argument is a lot of evolution. Some people say evolutionary because you, you are the determinant of your your past. And it's really hard to take the spiritual Sorry, out of it. You're determined by your past. Determined by your past, yeah. yeah. Where whatever is, bring back a little spirituality. The Bible talks about how you adopt the sins of your father. Not adopt, but you take on the sins of your father kind of thing. Okay. And I, I really do think it is a not a literal adopting of his, your father's sins are now your sins. It's a more of a... His blind spots become your blind spots. Or the, or the, or the shit he does affects your perception of reality. Yes. Like hurt people hurt people. Like, yes. You know, it's statistically proven that people who are abused as kids tend to pass on their abuse to their own kids. Yes. But there is a way to break that cycle. If if, if that were 100% the truth, like a, an undeterminate truth, like you can't change it. Well, I mean, that that is... That is an axiomatic likelihood. I'm likelihood, not, I'm not yes. saying that it's 100% going to be, but, but, but at, I'm at saying that is, point, you're fighting statistics. Yeah, no, but that's exactly it. Statistically, if that were the case, if abuse, abuse has been altered in the way that it's <clears throat> understood, because abuse 10 years ago was not, or 30, sorry, we'll say 30 years ago, 40 years ago, wasn't considered abuse. That was a discipline. We look at it now, it's like, that was abuse. Well, we're not seeing that same level of abuse. Sorry, I was talking quote. about, like, sexual abuse. Okay, yeah, but even then, like, even then, even with that, if that were the case, sexual abuse we would be on the rise, and it's yeah, actually just, on the I'm, downfall. I'm just, I, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to reduce some nuance, because this conversation can go so many ways. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to just pick something that we could just say absolutely is, is abuse, like, there's okay. No, there's no if ands or buts. Like, oh, that's abuse in some cultures, but not this one. Yes. No. But I'm uh, saying, what I'm saying is, statistically, North America, as we understand it, abuse is on the downfall. So hurt people hurting people is not a hundred percent true, or even I wouldn't even call it eighty percent true. I, I actually see that we are a very we are benefiting from a very enlightened society that's able to have all this information that sees okay this is a thing that we can change abuse is down there is still horrible abuse out there but it it is down dramatically in a way that if hurt people hurt people it should be going up and it's not. We are seeing it downward. That's why when you do see horrible cases of abuse, they are horrible. They are not like, oh, yeah, that's just the way it fucking is. 
no, they, these are things that we're like, no, fuck that. This is not the way it is. This is not okay. And we're able to stand up to it and call it out for what it is. Because if it was a cultural norm, it would not be so atrocious. And that's why I think that this idea of of predestination or, or, or even the, the not having any free will... It's so, kind of bullshitty because I'm like, man. So from, just... from from this aspect here, you're making an assumption that only negative is is likely to transfer itself onto onto anything else, and that positive isn't. I think. I think so may, it may sound that way. Yes. Yeah, because like from from hearing you talk, it's like you're saying bad things perpetuate themselves, but good things are the result of free will. Yeah, which I, isn't necessarily I, I didn't, true. I didn't. I I may not have intended to project that, but I may have projected that. Which isn't necessarily true because the good parts of society can also be self-perpetuating. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I assume that they are. Yeah. But do they ever reach an end? <laughs> I think there does, is. An does end. either ever reach an end? I really do think they do. Well, look at look at the the rise and fall of Rome. That kind of idea of they they it reached its inevitable end. But even in that, the reaction of the fall of Rome produces another opportunity for an empire to rise and fall. Yes, and another opportunity for uh, systems to play themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's step back from the deterministic material end of things and talk about the philosophy of illusion of self. Cause I don't think you can talk about, you can't talk about free will without having an idea of what being is ex- exercising its will. Okay. Now, because the illusion of self is such a, it, it sounds like it could be a loaded term. We need to talk about what that means. <laughs> what does the illusion of self mean to you? Okay. Well, one, I don't believe that self is illusion. <laughs> but. Oh, way too much sound transfer. Sorry about that. You alcoholic do you, dick. <laughs> do you want one? You're sacrificing the sound quality of our podcast for a cold one. <laughs> All right. You just talk about the, the, the illusion of self. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. See, that sounds way better than pouring whiskey straight into a glass because that just sounds like you're pissing in a glass. The, the fizz really brings out that... Uh, I'm trying to get the appropriate amount of head. Yeah. As, as is everybody, brother. <laughs> Has your wife listened to a second one? Because mine ha- hasn't listened to one yet. I hope everyone appreciates these jokes. That was an ice-cold beer. Yeah, okay. So one of the biggest proponents of the secular idea of free will is Sam Harris. And he talks about it often on his podcast. Uh, what is it? Free thinking? Yeah, something like that. I forget what it is. Anyway, so he is, one, of the secularist. And two, he is a very practiced and big proponent of of transcendental meditation. All right. Sorry. Say again. Transcendental, transcendental meditation. Okay. But basically 
trying to pursue through meditation ego death. Oh. And it's a challenge. <laughs> like it, it is. I'm not trying to be condescending. It, it, no, no, it's 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 a it's a noble pursuit. Yeah. Because ego creates a lot of problems. Yeah. But it's I mean, you're I fighting you're fighting your own biology at that point. Yeah. As an <clears throat> he's an atheist as far as I understand it. Yes, 100%. How how hmm. How hmm. How do I put this without... I don't want to sound mm, like I'm insulting huh. him. Mm-mm. How do you kill the ego when you are the center of your own universe? Well, that's it. As, as an atheist. Well, that's it. It's becoming not the center of your own universe. So... It's a lot easier for, uh, well, a good Christian... If there were such a thing, <laughs> I was leading well, to the... For, for a fundamental Christian, we'll say that, <laughs> rather than good. Yeah. But, you know, for a fundamental Christian who is tied to the basic orthodox mentality of, of yeah. God, who, whom you serve, being the center of the universe, you yes. are automatically in that worldview displaced. Yes, you're transferring your importance or your centrality and I to think something bigger the than e- yourself. The ego buried within that, I think, is for, for another podcast. Oh, that's another, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you can have like a Trojan horse ego in, in, yeah. in, in, uh, in, in, what do you call it? Ingrained? What do, you, what do you call it when you have like an in, infest, infest, infestation? infestation. Yeah. All right. So ego can infest that. But let's say for, for a secularist. So he has found that meditation has given him the ability to not be part, not be the center of his own universe. That's good. So you, you sit and you just observe, you observe things coming in and out of your mind. And if you can calm and quiet yourself enough, you realize that thoughts kind of just spontaneously show up out of nowhere. Like Mm. they happen to you more than you're choosing to have them. Yeah. And when you realize that you can take a step further back and think of like, well, what is, what is this feeling of being me even? Um, Is it something that is, true or is it an illusion Mm -hmm. am am i just a am i a result of the biological reactions that are happening in my brain as far as like i'm using i as in this sense of a being behind your skull yeah behind your eyes yeah you know identity yeah identity the 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 self of is is that just this organ you have making sense of things that are happening within it and responding to things that are happening without it. Is there a you there? See, that's a, that's a loaded question, right? It is. And because if, see, if you think about it, if, if you overthink about it, you, you, you lose yourself <laughs> at whatever yourself but is. But that is exactly, but that is ego death. Yeah. It's, it's seeing yourself, your, yourself not pulling a trigger and blowing your brains out but seeing this idea of self die and realizing that that's an illusion that's happening to you while you're conscious that your brain is telling you in order to function and get through its life and fulfill its biological imperatives yeah and 
you know, like that's, that's all just happening. And there's no choice involved in that. It's simply just happening. And you can say, well, that just sounds like highfalutin bullshit, which it does. It, it does. It sound really like does. But check this out. Split, split, split brain syndrome. Okay. So there was a, an experiment done on people that suffered, uh, schizophrenic, uh, not sorry, not schizophrenic, the, the, who, people who suffered, what is the thing where you have spasms? Um, Tourette. Seizures. Seizures? Seizures. Uh, epilepsy. Epilepsy. Yeah. Epilepsy. So a certain kind of, a certain kind of, of extreme seizure or epileptic episodes, they determined was happening because of miscommunication between hemispheres of the brain. Yeah. And there's a couple places in your brain that connect it. A bridge, like we'll call it. Yeah, bridges. And so they figured out that you could stop these seizures and these things from happening by snipping those connections. Because most of what we do is determined by one side of the brain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's the left side, which is mostly. Honestly, major. that's that's kind of a mythic. Is it real? Yeah. Really. Like, the idea that one side is creative and one side is analytical and stuff like that, like that's a, a gigantic oversimplification. Really. Yeah. You can, if you snip off those things, you will function perfectly normally. Really, I did not. Know Except that. for one emergent property, which didn't happen to everybody. But happened to enough that it was like, oh, this is this is very weird. This is new, and this is this is a problem. We have to stop doing the surgery now. Yeah, and so that is split brain disorder. So somebody would, who's had this done, would say, get in their closet, and they'd be like, oh, this is the outfit I want to pick out, and. They're, depending on their right, if they're right or left-handed, like if you're right-handed, you reach for it with your right hand, the, the one that's kind of yeah. tied you're, to most of your decision-making. Yeah. And the left hand would sp- smack it out. Really? Without being told by your prefrontal cortex to do that. Huh. Because, oh, wow. And they're like, okay, what's going on? One case of somebody who had the surgery done realized that he... You know, he he started choking his wife, this wife who he loved and didn't know why he was doing this. But his left hand reached out on its own, grabbed his wife's throat, started choking life out of her. And he had to pry himself off of her with his... With his his functional one, the one that he actually had control over. Yeah. That's... And various things like this happening... Wasn't there some kind of writing that happened at one point too, yeah, so, where the guy would speak one thing and write something else? Yeah. So I, I don't exactly know how it was that they communicated to each side of the brain, but they, they figured out a way to do it where they could like almost like split between your vision and communicate to one side and the one, the other without the other. Without the influence so they, of the they other. they figured yeah. out a way to, to speak to each side of the split. Okay. And on the dominant side, the side that is associated with you, that you are conscious of. Yeah. Like that side can speak. It's just you normally. Yeah. And the other side, they would have right without, again, without communicating to, 
to the other side. And so they would have different answers, different questions. Yeah. And they figured out that one side was no longer tied in to your, to the brain's overall uh, extended universe. Okay. Like once one side was enacting solely on id impulses. Yeah. And not being not being forced into subjugation with the overall personality of your life, the overall direction of your life. Yeah. <clears throat> and they would do something where they were communicating with the non-conscious side. And again, all this is happening without being conscious of it. No choice. Yeah. But still you. Yeah. But it's it's an example of how you react. Just react to things that you want. Yeah. Things that are in your subconscious, things that are happening to you, but aren't control over. So they would do stuff where they would communicate with that side. And then suddenly reveal it to your conscious self. Yeah. And the conscious self, they would say, why are you doing that? And you would react with utter confusion at first. Yeah. You're like, whoa, I I don't know what's happening. And then your conscious side would create a delusion, would create a narrative of why you're doing that. Well, that, that, yeah, I was, oh, what was I listening to? I was listening to something recently similar to that where it was talking about how if you are delusional in any way and you start doing something subconsciously or unconsciously, you will justify it to yourself. Yeah, you'll, you justified yourself. And in the weirdest way, like, like it would say, like, oh, a, a yeah. person would say, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I heard the bell ring for lunch and I decided to grab this and go do that. Well, I mean, well, there, there is no bell to ring for lunch like they're sitting in a lab <laughs> you know in, yeah. in this so like they realized in in this whole experimentation process here that a large part of our consciousness is justifying our actions to ourselves mm-hmm. which is it's retroactively it's retroactively inserting your impulses into your own narrative. Which is why I'm so terrified of the evolutionary influence of our decisions. Because I like to, I like to believe I have some level of choice, of choice (laughs) of influence on what I'm doing. But then hearing shit like that, I'm like, like, do I, do, do I have any say? And that's what I mean when I talk about the expanding universe, when I'm like, this is a brain breaker. If you think about it too much and yeah. you don't believe in God as a Christian, I'm like, yeah, fucking of course it is. I don't care. So I, <laughs> but as a, but as a, a, a individual who, who really likes to analyze the mind, how, how do you square that circle where you're like, this is my free will, but if you simply disconnect a few nerve and nerves in my brain, then you can empirically prove that your idea of choice and reaction is just you justifying impulses. Yeah. And, and fully buying it too. Oh yeah. And, no, believing it fully. Like you, you have fooled yourself into believing this. Cause you're yeah. like, I can't explain this. So I need to explain this. You ever heard of, of somebody who like as a liar buys their own bullshit? Oh, uh, 
I think we all have if we're paying any attention to somebody's <laughs> case that's going on. I don't want to talk about it, but if you're paying attention to social media right now, you, you know what I'm talking about. Someone who buys their own, I'm terrified for her. We'll yeah. talk about that often. I mean, like, there, there's people I know that seem so self-assured. Mm-hmm. Like, ridiculously self-assured like to the point where i'm like how how do you exist like that like i, I kind of envy i kind of envy <laughs> I, that I lack, that lack of doubt and then i realized that that lack of doubt that lack of questioning self-awareness but just being like really self-assured like yeah. no i'm the master of my own fucking domain i make my decisions i do that i own that <laughs> that is an example of simply Buying your own subconscious propaganda. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. You are fully sold out to your own bullshit. Yeah. And and you, uh, who I think uh, DJ Callen said it best when he said, you played yourself. You played yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, you, you are essentially playing yourself. You're getting to the point where you're like, no, I I believe this. It's like, no, you yeah. fucking don't. You justified it post- Post hoc, like it doesn't matter what you actually believe, because no matter what you think you believe, you're going to justify it after the fact. Yeah. So, so even as somebody who believes that free will is a is really a thing, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at this point, like I'm fully saying things that I believe are true. Yep. That you are your own propaganda machine. Yeah. And that you do, you 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 as an illusion justify all the things that you're doing in order to make sense of your life. Like in that way, yourself really is an illusion. Like the idea that you're walking around, the master of your own domain, choosing to pick up this glass right now, choosing to put one left in front, one foot in front of the other, all of that's bullshit. Do you really think that you're consciously saying right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot? Your consciousness isn't doing that. No. Like I drove 45 minutes away from my job site today back home. Not a single curve I made was a conscious choice. <laughs> Full on fucking auto autopilot while I was thinking about <laughs> what to say during this podcast. It's a dangerous deer. You heard him. But at the same time, I, there was a deer that showed up. There was a white tail that bolted straight across my, my are path. You, are you sure? Are and you sure it was a white tail? It could have been a mule. No, it was it, mules bounce. <laughs> this thing was... <laughs> no, white tail bounce, mule fucking walk like they're on the shit. No, it was definitely a white tail, but it was running for something. Like this thing was going mock chickens, full on sprint. Oh. Yeah. Only other time I've seen that happen was when our friend uh Jakey Poo Bambi, <laughs> Bambi hit hit a deer with his with his VTX and didn't fall over. Yeah, I really want to call him Bambi. Boss. Boss move. Yeah. We we were on our way to a to a motorcycle you saw club it? event. I saw it in my rearview mirror. Oh, I didn't realize you saw it. Yeah, I was riding with him. So we were we were riding to uh a one percent poker run in uh in northern Alberta and we took the back way there. Yep. Which was fun. So good. So well, much better. It's the so only way to get anywhere fun better in Alberta than, than the divided highway that's just straight for hours. Anyway, yeah. So we're riding and we're, we're, we're doing buck 30, buck 40. Allegedly. I don't fucking even care. <laughs> come at, come at me coppers. Yeah. We, we've already had this discussion earlier. Anyways, so, buck 30, buck 40. Yeah. Allegedly. You know, it's not safe. It's controllable, but 
really not safe. And a deer came, comes out of the ditch. Oh, I didn't. Sprinting. I didn't realize you were in Alberta. Yeah, it was a whitetail. Yeah. <laughs> sprinting across the road. I kind of, like, I, I barely missed it. Like, I hit my brakes, realized I was gonna, I was gonna hit it. And then I f- hammered on the throttle and, like, swerved and, like, went around the back end of it as it was crossing the road. What kind of, which bike were you on? The Intruder. Okay. Makes a difference with, with throttling, that's all. Yeah. And then I looked back behind me and saw Jake doing a death wobble. Oh, like, no. And the deer falling down into the ditch. So I knew he clipped it. Yeah. And I thought he was going to fall down. And I was like, oh. And I, like, it's just like slowing down, doing a controlled right, stop. Right, ready to go help him. <laughs> and then he pulls up beside me. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He looks at me. He's like, gives me the thumbs up. <laughs> You know, I'm like, okay, good, good, good. I was like, and, he, and then he was mouthing to me, I hit it. I hit it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> didn't, oh. didn't even, like, he barely slowed down, didn't fall down. Yeah. What a boss. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's a baller move uh. right there. You hit a deer and don't even drop your motorcycle. No, <laughs> you keep, 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 keep riding. Don't even stop to catch your breath or let yeah. your heart rate die down. You just that's keep rocking and so rolling. so funny. It, that's... it was amazing. One of my favorite moments on a bike ever. <sighs> that's, yeah, it's one of those ones you'll talk about forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, back to today. Yes. That actually Autopilot. happened. Autopilot, deer runs across the road. I slow down. I reacted appropriately to the yeah. input, to the input that was coming. You didn't respond. You reacted. Just autopilot. Just Yeah. And I mean, and, and some, some brain scientists have said the role of consciousness is to get better at being subconscious is to incorporate more and more and more activities to become proficient at it neurologically and reaction wise to the point where you can do it without thinking about it. Well, look look at fighters, right? Fighters, the same thing. They, they almost become responsive when the way, the way they move and, and the only way to really fuck with those guys is to break their cycle. Yeah. Where guys like GSP who they just got so good at, this is how I do it. And they're not even over, overly thinking they're They are thinking. I'm not saying they're not thinking because same the way that you were thinking as you drove, you got really good at not having to do it overly conscious. You could think about other things while doing it where he got really good at just being that fighter who's just in that autopilot. Now, um, one thing I did want to mention was I remember having this conversation about the split brain thing, uh, a few years ago, we had brought it up briefly at a party (laughs) and somebody walked near us and they heard us talking about the, the, the different influences and how you'd say one thing and write something else. And I don't know what it was, but our conversation, but he was like, way past me. Like he couldn't even, yeah, he like, couldn't turn relate. Around. He turned around, nope. walked away. He's like, nope, too far. He even, he verbalized it. He didn't just like do it. He's like, no, I need to verbalize how out of my, <laughs> out of my element <laughs> what, these guys even, are. Wasn't even graceful about it. It was just was no. like in, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> out. No, I got nothing. I like, and we had a few drinks, but he had a few drinks at that point. And, but no, he was not on the same level. Like, well, yeah, because this, this, like talking about this is stepping outside your perception. It's mm-hmm. stepping outside the illusion. That's, yep. that's uncomfortable. Oh, Because definitely. our real life, like 
Our real, honest, blue-collar day-to-day life, yes, our prefrontal cortex is making decisions, we're experiencing things, we're, like, free will is a is a very present illusion. Yes. It's, it's very present reality. Yeah. That doesn't exist the way we think it does. No, it really doesn't, because you think, you think, you, you are problem-solving, but you're not... You're not dwelling into the understanding of the universe and while doing it most of the time. Yeah. You're just looking at the problems that you have right in front of you. How can I solve this? How can I make it better or worse? Depending on what kind of shitty person you are. <laughs> but but really, those decisions that you're making very well could be simply because of the various experiences you've had and making algorithmic predictions on what would be the best outcome. And then doing that and then making up a narrative to justify in order to justify that yeah it's you you like to think it's like the uh this last two years where people like to think they're making a difference you like to think that you're doing something towards it same with the illusion of the self where you like to think that 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 your decisions are your own but they and that they're not because of the culture around you they're not because of Outward influence. So I'm really making an argument for predeterminism here. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I fucking hate it. I know, (laughs) because it makes so much sense when you get past yourself. Yeah, when you... The thing is that the death to self, it really does take you out of the equation and allow you to... uh, Allow yourself... I don't want to say excuses, but allow yourself to justify post hoc your decisions that you made, like we're fucking talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, <sighs> I, you know, in, in Christian circles, the debate about homosexuality ties into this. I fuck, no, I don't, I don't like the homosexuality debate. Well, we're, I'm, I'm doing it anyway. All right. Well, I'm going to fucking. So the debate there is whether or not it's nature or nurture. Whether whether, whether you have a choice, essentially. Yeah, whether you're born that way or whether it's a choice. And in lieu of everything we've talked about, that's a nonsensical binary statement. I knew we were going to get to this shit. (laughs) Like, like your, your nurture is your nature. Yes. Like, the various things that, that, you know, have either gone on in the womb or things that have happened to you in life... Or, you know, or, 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 or yeah. can determine your preference, your, your, well, uh, can influence the impulses that your body makes. And yes. then you, and then you make up a narrative to justify it. Okay. Can I say why I hate it? Why <clears throat> okay. All right. So, <coughs> excuse me. All right. So here's why I hate it. All right, the predeter- uh, predetermination of sexuality when it comes to homosexuality is uh, due to external circumstances. Mostly stress in the first and second trimester is what they found to influence whether a person is going to have homosexual inclinations. So I, I'm not f- totally familiar with the w- – would that just be for whether or not you're more feminine or masculine? M- more feminine or masculine depending on okay. whatever gen- gender you come up with. Yeah, because you're... if you're, if you're a, a, f- a feminine male, like that would make sense that – you would 
maybe want to experience more feminine things sexually. Yes, but but the, and then that re- would, regardless, even with fem- females, are are are, are there's a, there is a chemical imbalance within the first and second trimester that affects the child, which is more likely statistically to be of a homosexual, straight, uh, lesbian, or gay, whichever. Anyways, so they are more likely to be determined in the first and second trimester based on stress. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. An un- unstable household will have an effect on that. So if a father is in or out of the home or is stressful or is not stressful, there is more likely to be determined whether or not. Just statistically, this is not me talking. I don't yeah, have well, any citing studies. Let's let's just, for the sake of... For the sake of not sounding like a bunch of douchebags or saying that... I haven't even got to why I don't like it yet. The predeterministic, you know, mechanisms that determine masculinity or femininity as a trait are due to, like, things that we know are bad for stress, like like you said. Stress is bad. (laughs) But stress isn't just caused by bad household dynamics or this guy being a dick or that guy being a dick. Yeah. Like stress can happen from lots of different things. A car car accident. Yes. Or. uh, I'm I'm not trying to put a cultural. I'm trying not to put a cultural. I know. But it does. It is inferred. Yes. It's inferred. So I I just wanted to step in to give you an out there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I am not attributing any kind of. Because stress isn't something that is only because you fucked up and were bad. It's your fault that your son turned out gay. (laughs) (laughs) Because you left the household from. Because your crazy wife. Because your crazy wife is a bitch who wouldn't leave you alone, so you had to go work extra hours. So, so, you could... so it's both your fault. I mean, stress can happen from so oh, many things. So many factors. All right. And in fact, you can even be more more prone to stress or not oh, based yeah. on certain things. Hundred yeah, like, percent. All right. I, I get stressed out by the smallest stuff, <laughs> like on certain certain on elements certain or aspects. Things. And that's why I'm here is to help you. All right. Determinism. <laughs> All right, so with all that, the reason I don't like it more than anything is the predetermining factor on that. Is if that is a predetermining factor, well, then you got to say, okay, they can't help it. There's a eugenics argument for that. Yeah. They are genetically disposed to this. Now, if we're going to allow or make a tolerance or whatever for this thing, well, what, what else are predeterminants when it comes to sexual drive? Pedophilia. That's the one I jump to because it fucking terrifies me because I have kids. If pedophilia is a predetermined um, consequence of your background, we can't fault you for that. You're not going to fault me for any genetic disposition that I might have for myself. I would not fault you for any genetic disposition. But we're going to make a genetic, a, 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 um, an allowance for one. And then how far does it go? And if it goes to pedophilia, and how do you hold these people accountable? Because I don't believe you're supposed to just go along to your your desires and whatever you're genetically disposed to. I think you should be fighting it sometimes and be like, okay, like as a guy, I really want to spread my seed into as many vaginas as possible. My seed doesn't do anything anymore because it's cut off from the stream. But as a man, I feel this desire to do so. What do I do? I fight that impulse. And, and, and... Because of that, I'm not expecting everyone to, but pedophiles, I fucking expect you to. (laughs) I expect you to fight that. But the further and further we go down this line, we're going to make these these allowances. 
And that's why I don't like it. It's because I really want to believe that you're not predetermined to feel this way. I don't want that for you. I don't want it for my kids. I don't want it for anyone's kids for you to desire to fuck with them. Yeah. So, so in that way, like being determined to have preferences isn't, isn't in itself an inherently acceptable argument. I mean, it could be a degree in what we determine is acceptable, but there also has to be, there also has to be a greater philosophical proof for why it isn't harmful to society. Yes. Right. Like you can't depend solely on I was born this way. Yeah. Because I fucking in order that. to make it to make it okay. I hate that I was born this way because I was born one way too. I was born with a giant pe a giant penis. And did fact check false. <laughs> Fuck you! You didn't check it all. <laughs> Anyways, does that mean that I'm predetermined to just fuck up as many people as I can? No. I, I curb that, and that's and I, I realize now that I had mentioned this topic many months ago, and as I went down the rabbit trail, it led me to sexual preference, and I'm like, man, I, I almost don't want to talk about it, but I think it's been long yeah. enough that I, I think our, our audience has grown to expect it from us <laughs> to be like, okay, yeah, no, they're going to push the limits sometimes, and fucking A. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, it terrifies me. It really does. The... And again, with the eugenics thing, if you're going to make an argument for predestination, if you're going to make it for eugenics, if you're going to make it for this, this thing, you're you're jumping into Hitler territory. You're jumping in, and it's terrifying. It really, really is. Because I'm like, okay, if you can't help it, if you can't change it, define change. define eugenics. Uh, eugenics. You, th is you throw out that word a lot. Okay. A uh, eugenics is a, a, a genetically predetermined uh, disposition towards something. As, as I understand it, again. So as, as, as you understand it, eugenics is a predetermined as, as a concept is you having a determined disposition towards being or doing something based on your genetic makeup. Yes. And that, that's my understanding. That's my understanding of the term. Yeah. And that's why uh, Hitler believed firmly that the Jews were genetically uh, disposed to being rats, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, and the there's, upon there's, the there's plenty of people in history that believe that black people are like one third of people that, you know, a one, one third is capable of being yes. people as what white people are because white people are mm. more advanced. Okay. The one third a person thing is not actually based on on, on, on the, like the neurological or the, the, it was based on population density. They were okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> so fair enough. I, I used the wrong thing. Okay. Well, okay. Let's, let's throw in that whole Django, <laughs> that whole Django thing. Fucking, I love Django. Where, uh, where, where, where Leo takes a skull of one of his former slaves who is deceased now and okay. says that, see this little part here, like, you know, this little part here is smaller mm. than in the white man. Yeah. It's like, and this determines that, you know, you people are less, less capable, you know, and this is just genetic, but you're genetically inferior. Yeah. Like that's the idea, which is well, getting bloodlet in the backyard, which is demonstrably, was demonstrably false. Oh, d d unbelievable. Yes. And we, not racist. <laughs> I don't think we have to say it, but if we have to say it, I think we failed. 
Yeah. I mean, okay. th- th- that's demonstrably false. Oh, 100%. Like your your genetic makeup of what color skin you have really has no effect on the nature of your being. No. There may be things you're more biologically better or worse at, but that has less to do with, with skin color and more to do with geographical adaptations. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of genetic dispositions or people being more capable, <laughs> I did something really racist in high school. Do, I guess, do, <laughs> do tell in front of the world, Michael. All 70 of you. All 70. <laughs> we have 91 likes on Facebook, motherfuckers. Oh. None of that 70 shit. Yeah, check us up on Facebook, Blue Collar Philosophers Podcast, or I don't even know what it says. Anyways. Blue yeah, Collar from Rabbi. <laughs> Hit us up on Facebook, guys. All right. So I did this horribly racist thing, and I didn't realize how racist it was. So I, there was this tall guy that I went to high school with, and he was black. And uh, we were about to play basketball, and I was new at the school. I saw a tall black guy. I'm like, you, you're on my team. I was a captain. <laughs> I choose a tall black guy. He was a musician. Do you know how good musicians are at basketball? Fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm like, you're, you got to be good. You're black. He's like, what? And I'm like, oh, oh that's shit. like the whole the whole thing in South Park where like Cartman's <laughs> like, token, play the bass. Like, I don't know why, how to play why, the bass. Why do you assume I can play the bass? I don't know how to play. It's like, well, you're the black guy, token. Come on. And he starts playing. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> His name is Tolkien, by the way. T O L K. Watch that episode. It's so good. But yeah, uh, just just because you're of a certain skin color does not automatically mean that you're better and at this playing. Guy was a... Not good. He was not. He might have yeah. been tall. Pra- practice <laughs> has a lot to do with it. It really does. I just assumed because I was a naive douchebag who thought, "Oh, look, a tall black person." Obviously, no, it wasn't true, and I, that just shows how ignorant I really was as a child. And I say child because I was a child. As for that guy, phenomenal guitar player, he was really, really good. I enjoyed hanging out with him. I was almost in a band with him, but I wasn't actually good at any I instruments. I don't. Is, is it a weird thing? But I, I love when I see black guys or girls in metal bands. Oh, like, like uh, what's his name in Zayo? Uh, what is it? It's not Dan. No, Dan uh, was the lead singer. Um, I forget what his name is, but he Russ? he's the, the the rhythm guitarist. Russ. Oh, yeah. yeah, Russ. He was fucking phenomenal. He does the thing where he like jumps up in the air, strums the guitar, and lands on his knees. Fucking destroyed his knees. <laughs> yeah. In in the music video for uh, Rise. No, Rise no. And Rising End. It, no, it, it was right. It was off that album. No, it was Rising End. The yeah. song was Rising End. The album was so Funeral there, of God. So there's there's this image of him doing that thing where he jumps up, strums a guitar, lands on his knees, looks badass. Oh, I gotta watch that video on now. That, on that take, blew his knee out. Really? That was he couldn't do it anymore after that. Oh, but I didn't realize that. I just knew that he blew the, out his knees the doing take, that. The take that made it to that music video. Oh, yeah. now I got to rewatch that oh, music yeah. video. And then, and there's what, like uh, Living Sacrifice, Howard, or no, not Living Sacrifice, uh, Kill Switch Engage for their middle years, Howard Jones. Okay. You know, big, mighty black man with bald head, <laughs> voice of an angel. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of uh, 12 Tribes, lead singer, Super Dreadlocks. Yeah. I don't know if you know 12 Tribes. They're, uh, I don't. No, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed listening to them. But there's something badass about seeing a black man in a metal band. I'm like, yeah, because it really is like breaking through, breaking through the culture, like of of, of norms. Because like, 
like metal is a very Caucasian culture thing, right? It really is. Nor- Norwegian, definitely. Yeah, nor- <laughs> black nor- metal. Yeah, Norwegian, British. You know, it, you know, yeah. uh, L.A. Like that's kind of like those were like the centers where it kind of like homogenized and became a thing and became a movement. Yeah. You know, but like seeing seeing guys from other cultures be like, no. I'm undeniable. Yeah. I'm gonna make it there, and then making it there—that's badass. Yeah, like in, in, a, in a predominantly white thing, and it's it's yeah. not because they're black that pushed them ahead. It's because they are fucking phenomenal. Like they were like, no, nobody cares. The only people who care is you care. <laughs> like, yeah. If you care that the, oh, there's a bunch of white people doing this, like it's, if you fucking like the music, like the music. Yeah. Enjoy, amen. No, no one gives a fuck. Who who thinks? Do uh, you think I'm not gonna listen to a great guitar player? Just oh, have you seen his? Okay, so <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> Will Will Smith. Which one, vanilla or regular? Regular Will. <laughs> right, regular Will, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, bitch. So his his wife Jada. Yeah. Actually, had a metal band for a while. No, really. For which she was singing. And they got a spot on Ozfest. What? What? Okay. What kind of metal? Uh, it it was early two thousand, so it probably would have been in new the, metal in the new metal range. Okay. Of things. Okay. Not like progressive or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been kind of that new metal range because it was mid two thousands Ozfest kind of kind of crowd. Okay. Anyway, so she had she had a gig on Ozfest, did a tour with them and stuff like that. Um, I'm really curious now. So Will went to that and was like, this is the most white motherfucker bullshit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like he's like, you sure you sure you don't want to, you know, do R&B or get into a nice hip hop group where you can do like your singing verse as opposed to like the rappy verse. Yeah, because like, he's a hip hop. He's or what? I don't know. Was he considered but, hip hop or rap? But yeah, but he was like, no, this is this is this is white motherfucker shit right here. <laughs> It's like the the idea that you know one genre or another is racist on one side or the other. Yeah, that's a false dichotomy because like right there he's like, oh no, this is cracker shit. Like, <laughs> I'm not into. This. You sure you want to do this? That's awesome. I had no idea. I got a whole new respect for Jada. I I don't right? think I liked her, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm like fuck. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to like somebody to respect them. Yeah, that's true. And you don't have to respect a current version of them. That has made poor decisions or is weird, yeah, very weird, yeah. As opposed to a, a more normal, because like fame changes people. Really fame does. makes people weird. Yeah, I hope I hope we never become weird. I hope we become fucking famous and make money off this shit. Do you know what I was just thinking about? Do you do you think anybody hate listens to us? Like oh, they're just awesome. Wouldn't I it feel, be I feel like they would say stuff. I feel like they would really. No, because I don't think they want to puff us up. But at the same time. No, I don't. I think. I don't that, think. I think that they themselves. would private. I think they would privately attack us. Yes. Because they would be looking for stuff. So I don't think we have any hate listeners yet. Not yet. It's it's not there. It's not there. No. So far, anybody that doesn't like us just passes, moves on. Yeah, they just like oh, bored. Yeah. But. Okay, I think get, we need to, to get back. To get back on topic <laughs> and try and tie in our rabbit trail with the greater thing. Even that idea of what music is more racially accepted by one... Demographic or another. One, one skin color demographic than another. That's not a choice thing. That is 
a cultural impulse like because of because of the people around me doing one thing i assume that that's the thing for me to do yeah but then you have people with the but but again then there's the jade the jada effect of that or the howard jones kills which engage or the rust from zeo effect of that where somebody breaks the mold and says no fuck it I like this shit. Well, I don't care what the tide is. I'm making my way into it. Well, it's the occupational defiance disorder, right? It's the, you tell oh. me what to do? Fuck you. Okay. So, determinism, because that, that's, that's a mental disorder that, Im, that forces you, whether you like it or not. To, to do one to, thing, but the occupational de- defiance disorder is a, a... In opposition to another. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there's this idea of being told to do one thing and you just say, no, fuck you. I'll do what I want. Or you, now that you told me, I hate when people tell me to do stuff or tell me not to do stuff. I really do. Where now it makes me want to do it. Like, okay, I had this horrible thing and I was thinking about it earlier today and it really bothered me because um, at one point I got Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. And somebody said, don't bother. I listened to his book, and they said, don't bother, it's too hard, it's, I couldn't read it, so don't bother. Now, what they've done is they've taken what I intended to do. I intended to listen to the book, and I was going to. I was, hadn't had a chance yet. I just picked it up, and they said, don't bother. And now, part of me says, fuck you, I'm going to listen to it. Now, did I do it by my own free will? Or was it a fuck you thing where now because of them, I felt like I had to do it? I don't know, but they stole it from me is what I'm fucking saying. I want to believe that I was going to do it anyways. And no one had to tell me not to do it to make me do it. The reverse psychology bullshit because I intended on doing it, but now they robbed me from it. They robbed it from me. They took me, they took away my free will to do what I wanted to do. Did they though? Because like if, if somebody gave you. A physical copy with letters on a page version of that book. Would yeah, I would you, fucking would, read it. Would you read it? No. Exactly. <laughs> because knowing, like, I know who you're talking about. So I know he took a full book. He of took that a book, yeah. And was like, do I want to invest 97 hours of my life <laughs> yeah. in, into getting through this very, very dense thing? He couldn't get, he couldn't get through the first chapter. <sighs> The first chapter is long. It is fucking long, but do you know what's great about audiobooks? You don't get fucking caught up because you don't have time. You can listen to it again later. You do have time to listen. So if if somebody gave him that audiobook, I think he would have made it through in a breeze. Maybe. I I really do. Oh, yeah. Because I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So if he would have sat down, went through it in nine hours, listening to it with the inflection and the charisma of the author. Yeah. He would have made it through it easy, even if he did or didn't agree with it. But sitting down and being like, Frank, I've got I need to so look up these words much on my plate right now. Am I going to make it through all of these words and listen to the evolution of lobsters? <laughs> Which is or, fucking phenomenal. It's like, or am I going to put this aside and actually do my job? Because I actually have like a lot of work to do right now. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because you're you're ascribing a lot of intentions to this. I just don't like being told. Like, it, it, okay, up until this point, I felt very robbed. Yeah. Like, I I fully intended to. Well, because somebody told you that he was he was exercising reverse psychology on you to get you. Well, to other do people it. prescribed it. They were like, "Oh no, he fucking told you what to do." And I'm but like, "No." Again, knowing who you're talking about, that's not true. Because yeah. 
like that that first chapter of that book was all about the evolution of the lobsters. Yes. And how that impulse that lobsters have to present themselves in a certain way applies evolutionary to people. Yeah. The person who you're talking about, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to besmirch his character. And it might be it might be the wrong person. I'm talking about the pastor of the church I used to go to, right? No? Oh, was it? Oh, it was a few people. That... Yeah, no, it was. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So knowing him and having very specific discussions with him, the second it got to the realm of evolution of lobsters and their behavior over millions and millions of years, yeah. he automatically would have turned off because he vehemently disagrees with the theory of evolution. Yeah. Vehemently. Yeah. Whether or not he'll say it on, on stage or not is one thing, but personally having discussion with him, he sees that as complete and utter bullshit. The world was created in six days by divine miraculous creation by God. Yeah. Full stop. And believes that there is evidence upon evidence upon evidence that completely disproves the theory of evolution. So the second it went that direction, which is entirely what that first chapter is about. Yeah. Full on turn off. And there's a lot of and people like that. And there's not a chance in heaven or hell that he would prescribe that book to any of his, of the people that went to his church. Yeah. Because he does not want them to believe in the theory of evolution. That is why he would not get through that See, first I, chapter. I, I and that is why he would not recommend that book to you. I didn't think him to be a young earth. Uh... 100%. Really? I've had that specific conversation with him a couple of times. That's interesting. Yeah. See, I, I believe, I don't know. I have a hard time with it. Mostly because for a long time, most, I, I think Driscoll had a big influence on that of, of my understanding of the Bible of if you throw one part out, you throw all of it out, uh, where it's a very black and white, non-creative thing of, no, the Bible says this, and if you question that, then you might as well question all of it. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I'll question all of it then. <laughs> and bring it up. Yeah, but at the time I was like, oh, I guess, yeah, I don't want to throw out the whole baby with the bathwater. And that's what they do is they, they won't they won't be yeah. careful. Because so, that's the thing. Everyone, so, so everyone so as, says throw so the bottom. As a pastor who fully believes, and realistically so, I mean, like, it, honorably so, that as a pastor, like, the things that you recommend for for your parishioners yeah. or things that you preach to them. They need to, they need to confirm. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it needs to be accurate to your conviction. Yeah. And you are held to a higher standard of judgment by what you say to them and what you endorse. So... As a pastor, believing that the world is six-day creation, completely literal Genesis thing, for him to suggest a book that propagates the idea of evolution yeah. is him putting his own soul in jeopardy. Yeah. So I don't... He did not say, don't bother with that book in bad faith. That was 100% good faith on his part. 100% him standing up for his own conviction, his own responsibility, and his own duty to you yeah. as somebody under his pastoral care. So, yeah, I, in that case, I wouldn't hold it against him. I really wouldn't because he has a, he has a sense of responsibility to put that forth. 
with that being said, is it like I I disagree with that premise. Yeah. Well, we're free to. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't try and rob that from you. Yeah. Yeah. The reason he said that was not in bad faith in any one way or another. I th- maybe I took other people's words into consideration when they were like, no, he totally, he totally reversed psychology you. And I kind of looked up to them more than I looked up to him in that area of people that I would listen to and be like, oh, yeah, he might have fucking did that. <laughs> but no, I. Uh, no, he was being entirely genuine. Yeah. And and I and, and his intentions were, I, I believe, to be pure. I don't think he was going to. Yeah, like I, I, don't, I don't go to that church anymore for reasons like this because I, I really have certain fundamental disagreements with him Yeah, that we can't really get past. And so we can't have, he can't pastor me individually. Yeah. But I have the utmost respect for him because he, he, he acts out of conviction. Yeah. And out of real duty. And I, and I, uh, I believe in acting out of conviction. If you, if you truly feel a way, like uh, it's right down to your spiritual convictions of what religion you choose to follow. Like, dude, I don't want to say your name on this because I don't want to drag you into a conversation. Heck, we're going to mute his, his status. I'll go through it later. But if, if you're listening to this, because you know who you are by this, because you know, you were my pastor for a long period of time. Well, now I can't. I love you. I respect you to the utmost. Yeah. I just want to say, even though you're not my pastor anymore, for various reasons, it's not because I don't like you and not because I I disrespect you. I respect you to the utmost, and that's kind of why I can't be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it strange the direction that even the conversation of free will goes? I know, we were way off topic. We're way off topic. But no, we're in, are. We're, we're in deep to our own psyches now. Yeah, we really are. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't like it when people cut these conversations so short. When it comes to the idea of free will, it's like, oh, no, there is free will. Or, oh, no, there isn't. And they just cut it at that. I'm like, fuck it. There's so much, di- there's so much influence and dynamic and psychology behind it. And you're just going to fucking. Like, I know we, we started this whole podcast by saying like, no, we don't believe in a determinism. That can't be true. We, we, we to, there is to, there isn't. Well, I mean, we spent the whole time thinking about it logically and being like, no, nah, determinism seems like it's the thing. <laughs> Even though we know that or not. No, no. Uh, Even though we believe that free will is present and a real thing. So, I mean, that puts us in a place of cognitive dissonance. It really does. So my next question for each of us, I think this is going to be the next phase of it. Cause now we've kind of discussed the minutia of terms and what the argument is and the stakes of this whole thing. But, um, how do you resolve that cognitive? How how do you and how do I resolve that cognitive dissonance within us? Oh, okay. This is another conversation. This no, is, it's this conversation. It is this. No, I know that's we're, what I'm saying. We're we're not doing we're part two, fucking... baby. We're going. You told the wife not to wait up. All right. Uh, <laughs> how do I resolve my understanding of free will and determinism in my own life? Especially okay. cons- considering I know you believe in free will. And this entire conversation, every time we talk about stuff, we keep coming back to, oh, free feels like it's deterministic. It really does. That's the, that is the serious problem because it does feel deterministic. It does feel like there's a lack of my ability to step outside of my own shell and be like, 
fuck you, Shell, and do my, like, if, if, hypothetically, I could physically go over and smack the shit out of you (laughs) without, and be like, no, this is my free will, this is how I'm choosing to practice it, and I'm like, but in my desires, there's, there's a drawing in me to say, no, you don't fucking do that. Now, is that free will, or is that just a lack of desire? I don't know. And I want to believe. I, the thing is, I want to believe in free will. Because I want to believe that my decisions are my own. Not just my circumstances, but they are. Not just my culture, but they are. Not just my ancestors, but they fucking are! Okay, and that, on that point, <sighs> just pause. And I'm going to take a piss. I okay, really we're going to take a piss. Oh, yeah. Let's pause it. Pause it. <laughs> All right, so we're back. Should we put a beer crack in between there? I could put a beer crack. All right, I can even or, or a flush sound. Can or find- <laughs> I can find one. I will find a flush sound for this shit. Okay, so uh, while uh, we were on our uh, break, I figured out the meaning of life. <laughs> Finally. All right. I'm glad somebody did. The thing is, I, I kind of want to hold on to it. You want to hold on. I to want it. to hold on to it. Okay, so I like to believe that is is it, all these outward influences aren't what determines everything that I do. I really I I want to believe that I have um I have a say. I have a determining factor. There is something that I do that makes a difference. I want to believe that, but at the same time, how do I believe that when I know that there is an evolutionary uh, influence that there is all these things because there is fuck it me knowing that there's an evolutionary influence allows me the opportunity to affect the future it's not about me in this moment when I'm making decisions it's not the decisions that I'm making for me it's the answer decision it's the decisions that I'm making for the people beyond me it's it's not that I have free will. It's that the will that I have right now influences my children and my children's children. That when I speak, when I do, when I act, the way that I do it will not just influence me. It is not that I am influencing my life, but I am influencing the lives beyond me. So how, I don't understand how that is will other than it's a biological imperative to benefit your offspring. Because it's consciousness. Consciousness is a determining factor between the, the, the predestination and the, and the free will. Because if it was predestination, you don't have a choice. You're just, you're just floating. You're on autopilot. You are doing what you know how to do. You have learned. You're working. You're doing whatever. You're on autopilot. It's when you step back from that autopilot and you think of, okay, consciously, what am I doing and why am I doing it? You're taking yourself off of autopilot and you're saying, okay, in this moment. So I, so I, 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 I think I'm on the yes. I'm on the yes of this, of unless you are consciously making the effort to determine your destiny, you're on autopilot. You, you are, you're, you are not of free will when you are on autopilot. So when you detach yourself emotionally and physically and mentally, you are, you are dropping into predestination. 
But if you are willing to be conscious of your actions and conscious of what, how you are walking, not if, if, when you start doing left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, you are capable of having free will. Yeah. But as long as you fucking stay <clears throat> in that, you you risk the chance of not actually being free. Mm. So, yeah. It, from experiential point, point, I understand that. Like, I was making the, the argument before that I was driving home on autopilot. Yes. You know, like... But, but how often do we... Making auto- curve, curve, whatever. Like, my algorithm was taking care of that while... I was consciously thinking of this podcast. Yeah. And there's times where I overcome that with, like, the other day, I was riding Rosie. Rosie being my big old, beautiful, fat bottom bike. Used to be red, too. Used to be red. Whole lot of Rosie. Yeah. The the name for my bike came from uh, ACDC's song, Whole Lot of Rosie. Yeah. Because it used to be very, very red and it's very big. Very big back end on it, yeah. But it's also very fast. Very fast. Superchargers are fucking awesome. Yes. So I was putting the supercharger to very good use, let's let's say. Yeah. On a, on a very safe and closed circuit uh, <laughs> piece of piece of road. <laughs> yeah, let's say that. Yes, I, I have said that. And myself and another individual with an equally impressive motorcycle. Oh, yes. I heard about this decided to, to drag race ourselves. And I will tell you, when you, when, when you're riding a cruiser, like your feet are in front of you, there's no aerodynamic, you know, piece of, piece of plastic that's making your bike. Yeah. Super smooth. Making your bubble. Yeah. Making, making your bubble. And, uh, and there's no gearing that goes to 300 kilometers an hour. And you're riding, you're riding something that's the size of a road king, a Harley road king, north of 220 kilometers an hour. A small horse, for those that don't ride yeah. a motorcycle. It's, my, yeah, my bike is like 900 pounds. Yeah. And I was riding it with no windshield on. Full... Ooh. Full force of the, my, my helmet was pushing my nose sideways. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was doing 200. The last I saw was 225 kilometers an hour. So 100. <laughs> Sorry. Well, miles an hour, that's like 135. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Or somewhere between 125 and 135. Yeah, I forget are, exactly what it is. Cops listening. Anyway. When you're going that fast on a motorcycle, believe me, autopilot turns off. Oh, yeah. That is being in the fucking moment. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because one mistake means that you... You're a skid mark. Are a skid mark. Like, I I was taping a house today, and I was was, uh, mudding the screw holes, like where you swoop up and swoop down. Yeah. And a mosquito landed in my path, and it just turned into a black streak. Yeah. When you're going that fast, that's a potential. 
Yeah. Well, you just turn into a streak of goop on yeah. the highway. We're, when 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 that's the risk of a mistake, you're not on autopilot anymore. Everything within you is focused on making the right decision, whether or not it's to push a little harder on this handlebar or a little harder on this handlebar or to touch the brakes right now or, oh, I felt the wind current that is making this motorcycle. like yeah, just w- kick ever so wobble. slightly. And at the same time, wanting to go faster. Yeah. And faster. At that moment, no autopilot. No. Full conscious decision making was yeah. happening. I I removed all of the Your ancestors never did that. I removed removed all of the impulses other than not fucking die. But that's a strong and impulse. Even, in and of but itself. even that that line became very blurred. In that moment, that line was blurred. Because don't die because you, if it was really don't die, you would park the bike and fucking walk away. But at that point, you're like, this is fucking living. Yeah, it really is. Like, that's. And that's what I mean about autopilot. I'm like, man, you got to take yourself out of that. I'm not saying hop on a motorcycle for those yeah. that are out there. And, and I'll say this in defense of cruisers. If you're if you're riding a CBR 1000, you think oh, well, 200, 225. That's easy. Try doing that without a windshield, with your feet forward, on a bike that weighs 900 pounds. Your it, parachute. It changes the dynamic. I can't. I can't go that fast on my bike. I've I've been physically. Yeah, I've been north of 265 on a on a sports bike. That feels way safer <laughs> than what I was doing on Rosie. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I just want to say, I affirm. You affirm what, what, what you're I'm saying. I affirm what you're saying about the point where your choices become very instant and yeah. very real. Autopilot for life turns off for a yeah. second. You're really living. You're really living. So it's a yes. It turns into a yes. It, it's a yes and a no because. There's at some point where your decisions are your decisions, but there's a time when you're just coasting and you're just going by your feelings. You're just going by this, going by that, where you're no longer your decisions. You're your you're your subconscious. Yeah. This is, you see, this is why I I I, I strive for a balance in the way that I think in a lot of ways. Because a lot of people, they always think one way or the other. And when you're not willing to be balanced, you, you're you incapable of actually engaging in a lot of areas. Because you're just fucking, you're, you're all in or all out, or all this or all the other. And, and it's just like, man, can't you just say yes or say no? Or yes and no, kind of like be in that that gray, living in that gray. I feel I feel bad for people that are always one one side or the other. Do you have some enlightening word? Or you got a text message? Oh, I'm 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 going over some thoughts that I that I wrote down. Okay. Um, while you're doing that, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I've been waiting for this one mostly because. Sometimes with some of the topics that we have, 
they're hard thing to determine which one we feel like talking about. Because we have a board full of topics, and we are just well, waiting. There's, there's got to be like 20 up there. Yeah, and we keep adding to it. Heck, some of them, I'm not even in the spaces. I'm just making space for other ones. So if you guys have topics, um, go start your own podcast, and you know, feel free to message us, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think. And don't be offended when we don't take it, because like we said, we have a board full of them, and we just haven't gotten around to them. Um, you got anything there? Okay. Well, I mean, the the question I asked you is how how do you live day to day in that cognitive dissonance? Between, okay. Yeah. And and I I said mostly <laughs> I I would determine mostly on autopilot. I would yeah. honestly say mostly on autopilot. Mostly in a predetermined this is where I'm going to get, and it might it might be a good place. The thing is where I'm heading because of the the um, obstacles and uh, settings that I've put myself into. And I say put myself into because there's some things that you kind of just lean into and there's some things you kind of put yourself into uh, or uh, fall into. Where where I've put myself into, I, I, I may find myself in a good place in 30 years, but it is predetermined by the decisions I've made so far. But if I was going to s- truly strive and, and, and make forward momentum, it would take a higher level of consciousness and more understanding of where I'm going. If, if that, I, th- I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. How okay. about yourself? So, Hold. <laughs> yeah, putting, putting that question to myself, you know, what is consciousness? What is consciousness? Is it, is it being awake? Like, is it, is it being aware or, or is that where awareness itself an illusion? Yeah. Like, no, the, those, those are important. Those are important <laughs> those are questions. Very important questions. Cause but again, we're, 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 because we're, it seems to me that a lot of times what I experience and what I ascribe meaning to is just me buying my own bullshit or just me hoping or praying that an experience that I ascribe meaning to is really truth. But it seems like it's not. You know, a guy messaged me after our deconstruction podcast and said, it's like, I really appreciated that podcast and I could follow you with everything you were saying, except for one point where you said that you couldn't know Ultimately, you couldn't know whether or not God or faith was really real or not. He said, I disagree with that fully. It's like, I think that you fully on can know that you're, you know, that God exists. It's like, and I know that because I had an experience, a, a, a spiritual and religious experience that like was beyond what I can explain. And therefore I know God is really real. And I didn't, I didn't want to. So his, his experience, he, he's projecting his experience onto you. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to argue with the guy at that point because like if I was to sit down and listen to everything that he would say about his experience, I could totally do the whole deconstruction thing and ask question after question after question about whether or not he was ascribing, he was doing the split 
whether or not the guy was doing the split per, the split brain thing where yeah. he was justifying the experience to fit a narrative that he could accept. Because whenever something happens to you, that is always the risk. Yeah. That you get stuck in that existential angst of wondering whether it was real, whether you really did it, whether it was true, or whether or not you are making an excuse to justify the experience. Right? Yeah. No, 100%. There's a post-talk. We were talking about that earlier, right? The justification of the experience or justification of the action. Yeah. And, and that's not just a thing that happens whether or not you're cutting the connections in your brain and having one choke your wife or slap well, the outfit out of your hand. Well, think like, of dualistic thinking, right? We we be, we say one thing and we believe and we say we believe it, but we act in a different way. Yeah. We have a dualistic way of thinking. And if you don't think you have it, just but look at why there's a hospital. Even just amongst here. the things that you experience and believe are true. Yeah. Like you're, that, that mechanism of your mind that is making justifications for experiences and fitting it into a narrative doesn't just happen when one half of your brain's cut off from the other. It happens all the time. Yeah. You know, it happens all the time. Once I started speaking in tongues. Like, yeah. Honestly. Earnestly and honestly. Earnestly and honestly speaking in tongues. But then a year removed from that experience, I can, I can honestly say that that was a explanation my mind was making for something I was doing. Like there was a part of me that really, really, really fucking wanted to belong in the crowd. Yeah. And was told that... If I just started making sounds, it would flow. Yeah. And so I started making sounds and making sounds and making sounds until it hit a rhythm. And that's just a thing that's happening. And then I looked at it in retrospect, like you know, a day after, it was like, holy shit, the Holy Spirit was flowing through me and speaking in tongues. Yeah, but... But that, in in all honesty... That was me buying my own bullshit because yes, I, but, I entered that scenario in bad faith but and then made an excuse to make it sound like I wasn't doing that. I was really experiencing the Holy Spirit. Yes, but what is the risk now of being doing that again where you are post hoc explaining away your uh, spiritual experience? If that happens to me in... I'm, 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 yeah. It's an honest question, I think. Yeah. If, if that happens to me outside of a Pentecostal scenario where somebody's telling you, speak in tongues now, here's how you do it. If you do it this way, then this will happen. If that just happens to me randomly for no reason while I'm, say, riding my motorcycle or read a passage of scripture or am praying Mm -hmm. or I randomly start talking to somebody and realize after the fact that I was saying, complete nonsense and they understood it in their own language the say being cantonese yes that i don't understand yeah okay at that point i'll be like okay that's a fucking miracle yes you know i i i too but but in the scenario i was in i had every psychological imperative to make a to make a framework of mind where i said okay yeah i spoke in tongues because that all the pressure was pushing that way. Yeah. Well, that's that's why the Pentecostal movement, when it comes to speaking in tongues, and 
I realize not everyone's a Christian listening to this, but at the same time, the the this is this uh, they call it angelic language or uh, there's many ways that I've heard it put. In any case, this idea of speaking in tongues in a Pentecostal setting it's not biblical most of the time. No, and in fact, there's a psychological explanation for it. Really? Yes, there is. Oh, so there there's a there's a theory of of brain science called called neural theology where they can take brain scans of people who are engaging in certain religious practices and see what parts of their of their brain are lighting up with activity. Yeah. Because not every part of your brain is responsible for everything else, right? Yeah. Like one part over here will light up when it's thinking about doing a certain thing. One part over here will light up when a subconscious impulse is happening, like, you know, an erection or, uh, you know, like stubbing your toe or something like that. Yeah. Like, so there is a part of your, of your, of your brain that is really conscious about language. And there's a part of your brain that is involved in language, but not involved in decision-making or prefrontal cortex. And so they, they've taken brain scans of people who are engaging in the practice of tongues and not just like blah, 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 like saying stupid things, but actually experiencing the experience of tongues coming upon you. Yeah. Which if you're going to take the Sam Harris way of thinking, like there's, there's things that are manifesting out of thin air that are hitting you and happening yeah, and you're making explanations for them after the fact, post hoc. Even if it's yeah. instantaneous, it's still post hoc. Yeah. Those things happen. Tongues is one of those things. And if you have a worldview that says tongues is a spiritual gift of God, then when it happens, you will automatically say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But really what's happening in your brain when... Uh, glossolalia or like uh, ecstatic glossolalia that's the technical word word for speaking in tongues happens not xenolalia which is speaking in other languages so that, that you don't know is that greek or is that, <laughs> that latin i i think that's latin okay like z- xenolalia or xen dang it i forget exactly what the thing is what happens in acts where when is Acts chapter three, when the Holy Spirit comes upon people and they swear start speaking in other languages spontaneously, spontaneously. Yeah. And people are there to translate and also yeah. understand. Yeah. It's, it's the language of other cultures because xenophobia is the phobia of people from other cultures, right? Yeah. Xeno, the specific word there. Xenolalia is the language of other cultures. If you spontaneously start speaking in a language you don't understand, that's a miracle. Yeah. And, if, and, and I know of people, and I'm sure you know of people that have actually experienced doing this, and it does happen. Yeah. So it's, so, not, it's not just some crazy Christian thing. It, it's a legitimate thing that does happen. Yeah. So in, in our illusion of self, in our illusion of free will, there's a part of our brain that really calls the shots. And that's the prefrontal cortex. Now, in the scenario where I spoke in tongues, the pastor who was guiding us through this whole experience called it the butler. And he just said, don't worry. Just just tell your butler to shut up. Tell the part of you that's questioning to be quiet. Tell the, 
the butler, the part of you that wants to say real words and explain things and 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 be real. Disrespectful. To be quiet. Disrespecting the butler. Yeah. Like, just, just tell the butler to shut up for a second and stop managing your experience and let your experience happen. So thinking about that, about letting the butler be quiet, what I was doing was shutting off my prefrontal cortex. Yeah. The part of my mind that is responsible for making decisions or being conscious. Uh, the part of my mind that really does the split brain thing where you're like, you make an explanation for what the subconscious part of you is doing. Yeah. And the sub, so in that scenario where people speak in tongues, that subconscious part of you that doesn't have much for attachment to language or anything like that, but also controls part of your impulse or vocal cords lights up in, in brain scans lights up like the 4th of fucking July. Hmm. When you're speaking in tongues spontaneously, not falsely, where you're specifically saying things like like I'm doing that subconsciously right now, but in that experience of speaking in tongues, a part of your brain that has access to your vocal cords, but is disconnected from your prefrontal cortex, lights up and starts doing stuff and mm-hmm. says, this feels good. I've never had the chance to do this without the fucking manager telling me what to and to not do. Yeah. And it goes crazy when it gets the opportunity to do that. And it makes syllables. It makes sounds. It does this, that, and the other. And it sounds like a language because your, your tongue is tied to a certain sound. Well, it's, it's muscles that you've yeah. never used. It's, 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 and it's, and it's just going crazy in a way that it's familiar with because of muscle memory, but has but your prefrontal cortex and the language under your brain isn't lighting up at all. That stuff just goes full dark, but the part of you that is able to make your vocal cords go and isn't attached to anything like that lights up like the 4th of July. That's what happens. What happens neurologically during glossolalia? Do you, speaking hmm. in tongues. Have have they done any studies when it comes to? Oh, I just think of my children <laughs> when they just make all these sounds with their mouths that don't make any sense, but at the same time they think they're talking. And I wonder if there's similarities or any kind of connection to that. Uh, lo- I don't want to say lost communications or lost dialect that they just kind of like, oh, I haven't done this since I was a child, and and the lighting up. It, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That, that 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 seems like a different thing. It seems like a different yeah. thing for a child to say, well, you're making these sounds and you're trying to attach it to things. I want to, I want I to want emulate to that sound. Emulate you. That's that's a different thing than what than, than what's happening here. It's like. It's like having your whole circuitry hijacked for a minute by a piece of software that doesn't get used very often. Okay. I, I, I was just wondering if they had checked or tried. I wasn't sure if they, they had studied anything like that where if there was some kind of simulation between those two because I know that my kids get so excited when they start talking and I almost I almost show interest, but at the same time, I don't know what the fuck they're saying. 
And I'm like, oh, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a... It's a different thing for kids because they don't even have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're you know they're they're still developing the basic the basic elements of relating to people and learning language and stuff like that. So that's you're seeing a development there of the language yeah. center of the brain. Not, so I do I, I think not, you, not a rogue so part of the even brain. Even if they did alone. test it, they wouldn't be getting a yeah. conclusive or even a uh, a I don't know how you would put it a determined or or variable <laughs> yeah so anyway i don't even know how we got on this but <laughs> yeah uh i don't remember but that's that's a deterministic impulse that's happening apart from your from your illusion of self uh so i'm just trying to connect the dots I'm yeah. sorry, it's just my face <laughs> no i'm looking at you be like oh, did i screw up there did i did, did I, I fuck up no, uh, somehow we got no, to we, that. We we rabbit trailed there, and it's all good. And and but 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 I think that has a big part to do with our our, our Christian upbringing of of trying to understand our I don't know predetermined destination of Christian faith and all that stuff in in the subconscious into the conscious from yeah. subconscious into conscious. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There there we go. Subconscious and conscious. So. Assuming that this thing that is our subconscious, which is an ocean underneath a little ship that we think is our conscious, yeah, that, you know, we think we're we're a steering direction, and, and but really it's driven by all this underneath. Well, not just not just what's underneath, but the the oar, like the tiny little steering yeah. ship that we think we have control yeah, it's, over. It's it's one of what's underneath. And the mechanism of what we're enduring above, and that has to do with the mechanisms of the ship that we're steering. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a decent way to think of what well, is self and what is consciousness. Well, if you look, okay, I, I'm going to bring it back to Hollywood just for a second. Hollywood, they do this thing when they're making a show. They do an, uh, a, a uh, I don't remember what the percentage is, but I think I'll, I'll just say five percent rule. A, a character can divert 5% per episode from who they were to something else that's realistic. Anything beyond whatever percentages actually is will affect your ability to believe that development of the character. And so we have the same thing where we, we, we think we understand, but if we develop too quickly, if we move too quickly in what we then you're like, how oh, we that develop, guy, it's like, that fuck that, that's not right. That guy's insane or... That's not a genuine transition because it's too dramatic. Yeah. Where same same thing with this. Where if if you divert too quickly from your like even look at who you were five years ago to who you are today. Yeah. If you were to look at the, it, the yeah, if you were to see it as an instantaneous transition, it would be like a psychotic break. Yes. But knowing me over five years, you can see the incremental changes that has led to the difference in who I am. Exactly. Same, same, I hope same with me. I, I think that if you're not changing at least 5% in five years, you're fucking crazy. Then you're I'll, buying your own bullshit. You are eating, you are eating it with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I think anyone who's listening to this yeah. hopefully has some... Okay. Also, hateless. Yeah. So, so I guess getting back to the question of how I deal with this. So, given that 
ocean of impulses that I make excuses for that kind of guides where my ship is at. The tide that is the ocean. Given that, I think that free will enters a scenario in the fact that that little ship on the tide is fighting against the tide. Hmm. There's a, you know, there's a captain of the ship that can say, even though all this is happening to me, I choose to push this little boat against the tide as hard as I can in hopes not to land in the vast ocean of chaos and get to the point of land over there. I, th- I think that's where the idea of free will and self becomes real. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking of it spiritually, we think of it as mortifying the flesh, crucifying the self, yeah. acting. If you can act in contrast to self-interest or in denial of self-interest, that's where free will becomes real. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it 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 pairs quite nicely with the autopilot thing, and it pairs quite nicely with the, yeah, yeah. You know, so, wrestling against passions. Uh, you know, w- what do you think of when you think of the word passion? Um. Well, there's many ways. That's the thing. Like, are you are you are you saying my reactionary response to passion? Or are you oh. talking about? My I don't know. I'll, so. Sorry, I, I was projecting something on you that I feel. Okay, well, uh, let's let's listen to what you feel when it comes to this stuff, and we'll go back to me. So, when I thought of passionate or being passion, or being passionate, I always thought of that as a strong desire that drives will. That you know, like I'm passionate about something. I'm going to pursue it with every bit of my being. I'm going to engage. Like passion is an engaging emotion, not a not a passive one. Like it's passion, being I'm pushing forward with everything in me. Not and, passive, as in yeah. what you are destined to do as a Mennonite. <laughs> and I heard something recently. Listening to listening to uh, a discussion amongst Orthodox about something that was described by, uh, you know, old school old school theolog- theologians. Um, they call f- you know fathers desert fathers of the faith. Okay. And so the people that were involved in Christianity that first started engaging in the idea of theology, they saw passions as a different thing, rather than being something that embodied will, they saw passions as entirely becoming passive to waves of things happening to you. So, so not, not something that you strive towards, but yeah. something that strives like you towards of, you, you think or of like, influences I, you. You know, you think of the romantic version of passion, like passion for a woman. The word romantic in and of itself is not a well-understood word. If you break down the word okay. romantic, what does so, it mean? Actually, that's a very good point, because <laughs> as, as a romantic myself, it has nothing to do with specifically love. Or lust, as much as it has to do with being enraptured by the 
intricacy of ideas. So, I guess, so so let, let's say as the idea of sexual love or yeah. love you have for your wife or a feeling you have for a beautiful woman you see and that you want to passionately pursue or you have a hobby that you passionately enjoy. Um, think of it as something that is happening to you and you become passive too. Yeah. Like when you're, when you're in the throes of passion, you think of it as my will is entirely bent on this one thing. But in reality, you are entirely subject to something that is happening to you. As you said from, from Peterson's quote, thoughts have you, you don't have thoughts. That is the essence of passion. Passions are when stuff has you. You become passive to an idea, to a will, to a lust, to a desire that is outside of you, that is come over you and is pushing you in a certain direction. That's passion. Yeah. So free will is in opposition to your passions because passions embody your uselessness. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're the, the part of you that you don't have control over the yeah. parts that try to control you, the parts that, that are like, no, this is, this is who I am. And this is, or, or no, sorry, this is what I want as a passion or, or genetically metaphysically where they they try to push you towards a direction where free will is the kickback against that yeah it is your i i may i may go towards this thing but it will be by my choice not by my my inner desires my chemical drive or or evolutionary drive towards this thing because if you just allow your passions to determine which direction you're going that's not free will yeah, you you are you are a fucking slave at that point. The, exactly, you are a slave to passions, not a master of passions. That's that's a a misunderstanding our culture has. One hundred percent. Our culture has this idea, like man, he's really passionate about that. As if the idea of man, he is the master of that. He is pursuing that. He is he is mastered that. But really. We're being led by it. Yeah, he he is a slave to his own desires, and that's yeah. the thing. A lot of people think that a lot of free will means, you know, oh, I can do whatever I want. If you do whatever you want, you're fucking slave to your desires. You are not free. Yeah, you're a slave. So these these desert fathers, these old Orthodox theologians, they had a Greek concept of reality that's a little bit different than what we do now, where they had an idea of the noose being the place where will resides. And the noose isn't this prefrontal cortex, decision-making monster, master of my own universe, buying my own bullshit, presence and sense of self that all of us experience as much as it's a little place inside of us that is centered and is experiencing things coming in and out of it. Mm -hmm. Like... The idea of a muse, like Joe Rogan's been huge on this idea of oh, he's muse been about lately. Many, many episodes. Yeah, right? Like he's, he's mentioned it three or four times in the last several episodes. 
It's really funny that agnostics are like, we need to give it a name. <laughs> no offense. So, I'm, I'm glad he's an agnostic yeah. now. Yeah, so, so they talk about the idea of a muse, which is a spiritual being that is coming to you and engaging and giving you ideas and inspirations that you interact with and then it make, rewards make and your it... own and it rewards you with success by these good ideas that is coming and as a as a spiritual exterior it's an interacting with you and becoming a real or a, you know a real or material or written exterior right yeah so the idea of the noose in this kind of like Greek Orthodox mentality is this place where you as a spiritual being or spiritual organ is interacting with things coming in and out of it. Almost like, almost like Harris says, where he says, like, if you think about it, like thoughts seem to just spontaneously come out of nowhere and you interact with them impulsively. Yeah. If you interact with these thoughts impulsively, like if you're driven by passion, that's an impulse driven by something that's coming out of you. Mm-hmm. You're driven by stuff that has nothing to do with your will. You're at a subject. You're a ship carried along by the tide. Yeah. I've been thinking about that, that whole idea of thoughts coming to you without any kind of influence or outs- outward thing. Because a lot of Christians believe that that is a divine, that is a divine influence, something coming to you because they don't know where thoughts come from. They just come. Even a man as secular as Sam Harris will say, I am trying to detach myself from my thoughts. And he wants to, det- he wants to pull away and he puts himself into this open-mindedness of nothing. It's like, I'm going to detach. I'm going to go away. And then he has these thoughts that come out of nowhere. Bam, bam, bam. Like these thoughts that just keep coming. And and to some Christians, they said, that's the divine. That is, or as Joe would say, the muse trying to influence you. Where is it possible that it is simply the brain trying to justify its own existence? Where it's like, I need to be doing something. I can't allow this to go stagnant because stagnant, if it goes stagnant, it dies. Everything that goes stagnant dies. And then you just become a vegetable. Yes. So as long as it's clicking out something, it needs, it doesn't matter what the idea is. It doesn't matter what the, it's just going to throw words at you until something sticks. It's going to throw ideas and and thoughts at you until something, bam, that one stuck. Okay, so so yeah, like Harris sees free will as that. Okay, you know that that I guess that's how he sees free will as things coming to you and happening, whether it's by natural process or alg- algorithm or physiological like consequence after consequence after consequence. See, I never and, went to college yeah. neither, so I figured that shit out, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> who who needs all the education that he's been through? I can't even. <laughs> when we when we can just be us. <laughs> okay, so what's interesting is he only ever looks at that passively. Hmm. Like, he only ever looks at that through the lens of ego death. Okay, yeah. Kind of like what I was just saying about the justification of the mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, examining thoughts as they pass in and out of consciousness. Basically, you remove your will from your worldview at that point. Like, free will is removed. 
and you're just seeing things happening to you. There is another scientific exercise that's pursued called the light slit. Oh, uh, love slits. Yes. <laughs> the, the, light, the light. I'm a child. <laughs> the light slit experiment. And this doesn't really have much to do with free will, but it's an analogy. Okay. okay. So don't so don't see this as metaphysical proof of free will. I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll bring us down some kind of path that we're going to talk about for like 20 minutes. For a path. So the light slit experiment is when you shoot a ray of light through through a slit and then have a piece of photo paper at the other at the other end that's can show whether or not it's a particle or a wave that has that has hit it right so if you if you perform that that experiment without observing it like just in in its own self-contained thing light going through that small slit you know a beam of light going through that small slit and then seeing what happens at the other end shows light hitting it as a as a particle like a direct beam straight and connecting and making an impact if you do that same experiment while having somebody observe it it hits the paper on the other side as a wave where there's impact on the other end that that's, that that uh, denotes rising and falling of of that particle, not like a straight beam, but as something that is hitting at it with intervals, like, almost like a currency, like kind of like a like a yeah, like a, a wave. like a vibration, a wave, literally rising and falling or oscillating side to side, as as long as it has some kind of movement other than direct, yeah, you. Do it the same fucking way over and over and over again with 100% consistency. If you do it while viewing it, light hits this other side as a wave. If you do it without viewing it, without a conscious being there, observing it happen, it hits as a particle. Sorry, fucking what? Yeah. I I, underst- I understood, but... <sighs> My... My physiological physicist brain, I I know I'm not a physicist, but I understand a little bit of physicists. It's it's a paradox. Something something about observing the experiment taking place changes the results. Does it have something to do with neural brain waves? No, this is physical evidence. Fuck, I'm... Not this isn't perception; it's physical evidence. I how 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 the fuck do you bring that up? And <laughs> it's so so how how this interacts with as an analogy, free will. So a fellow like like you see that just brings into a spiritual effect, of just <laughs> a, 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 like a presence how, of how much of an, how much of an effect consciousness that. I, that I don't want to get into at the moment. Fucking why did you bring? <laughs> because I wanted to break your brain. No, I actually there there is a point that the analogy of this is making. Oh, I so, hope so because that's so. Hurt. So a fellow like Harris who is viewing the concept of free will and of the illusion of self or the non-illusion of self 
he is always doing it through the lens of transcendental meditation, always doing it through the lens of ego death. So he is viewing free will through an experiential uh, experiment where he is removing self from the equation rather than leaving self in the equation. So what I'm, what I'm saying is his, he's trying to do this in a sense, scientifically or, or, or philosophically, he's trying to make an axiomatic truth based, based on ego death. Mm-hmm. If you get rid of ego, everything you see is just things happening to, to you. If things are coming out of free will, happening to you, causation. So... But he's forgetting the fact that we have a fucking ego. Yes. So his ultimate test, Sam Harris's ultimate test, is that he can observe that test, which, if it has an... is that it not be received in waves but in particles. If he is truly capable of um, distinguishing or separating ego from self and just observing, he should be... Ideologically, according to this, he should be capable of observing without it having a reaction to the light particles in themselves. Ideologically, if he is capable, because I can, which, can you can you reword that at all? I think you lost me. A bit okay, there. so he's talking about how he's able to he he is meditating on how to separate ego from self, right? Mm-hmm. Now, as long well, no, as no, no, he's assuming that he's assuming that ego is an illusion and that all things are happening to you, whether you like it or not. Okay. Okay. So he is he's assuming that, but just by then then this experiment proves him wrong. Yeah, by assuming that your ego has nothing to do with the, with with. See, I was hoping that he you. was he 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 saw it as a pursuit. But as not seeing it as a pursuit, this experiment disproves it. Because if it was a pursuit, that means there was an end goal. That means that he could influence something else by going into this experiment and saying, "Okay, if I observe this with the uh, without ego, I am able to affect this exper this experiment without allowing it to affect the physiological conclusion, because." If he could separate, if if he believes the ego is what he says it is, he should be able to separate the ego from the actual conclusion of the experiment without him being there. But as long as he is there and able to perceive, that will affect it to turn from particle to wave. I'm I'm not I'm not sure I'm following you here. So rather than talking past each other, I'll just back up a step. Because I think we're really, really close to getting to a point where we can oh, or just argue I, right past one another. I thought I was. I thought I was there. Because, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, just, I don't I don't know if you were there or not. I'm just saying, the words you're saying to me, I'm not okay. following the logic so, of. So, again, rather than having you I, I can start, restate I can, this, I can I'm going to try and state this a different way. So, as an analogy not 
he's like, I'm, I'm doing this as, uh, I don't know how, how else to say it other than an analogy, but in doing this, he's, he's making an experiment which is affecting his worldview, right? Yes. He's assuming that ego isn't a real thing. So if e- assuming ego isn't real, then determinism has to be true because he's, he's forcibly removed ego from the entire uh, experiment of what's happening. Yeah. He's denying his presence and denying the presence of the ego is affecting the results he perceives. The only problem with that is that he's sitting there trying to hold ego out of the equation without yeah. letting it be part of reality. Yeah. He's simply denying free will's influence on what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think what I was getting to was the fact that if he wanted to be able to test his uh, philosophy, not philosophy, what's the word? Thesis? I think thesis is the right word. If he wanted to test his thesis of detaching the ego from reality or from the self, if he were to inject himself into the light, the slit experiment, it would have zero effect. Because the ego, the the observation of the experiment affects or, the wave. Or the presence of self. The yeah. presence of self. But if he was capable of separating the self or the ego from that, then he should essentially be able to alter the effects of the experiment by saying, okay, I have detached myself from this. You should have the same result as if there was no observable person. Is but, yeah, but the fact that including ego changes the results proves what he's trying to do is false. Yes. That's what I was getting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like in reality, you, you know how I am. I kind of, I say five things and I skip six or seven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so in reality, Harris doing, you know, as a proponent of the idea of free will as illusion or self as illusion, like in reality, day to day life. Yeah. He has free will. He makes choices all the time, whether well, he likes it or not. The, the very idea of him doing this experiment is <laughs> it's an exercise of free will. Yeah. <laughs> mm, pardon me. Yeah, so he has free will and exercises it like any time, like anybody when he wrestles with his thoughts. But like the light slit experiment, when he pays attention to consciousness in this way, his will becomes passive, like a passion, right? Yeah. Like when he's engaging in this form of of meditation, transcendental meditation, he thinks he's in control of it. But really, like any other passion, like lust, like rage, like uh, obsession, obsession with trying to disconnect yourself or something is still being passive to something that's happening to you. Mm -hmm. Like it's his idea or illusion of trying to disconnect himself is as much a passion as thinking that you're fully in control is. Yeah. So 
Yet when he pays attention to consciousness, his will becomes passion, and all he sees is determinism and passions that in turn influence every action, or sorry, that, that determine what he perceives as action when they enter the noose, when they enter this, we'll call it a spiritual organ. Like when, when I say noose, we'll imagine it in a figurative way as a, an organ inside yourself that perceives spiritual realities. Yeah. The noose is like something that, like it's what interacts with the muse. Like imagine yourself like YouTube or as, um, yeah, sorry, imagine your noose as your YouTube app where you, and then you as a self float through it. And all these things that you have no control over are passing your view as you're screwing through, scrolling through the news feed of your YouTube app or of your Facebook app. The part of you that is free will is the thing that clicks, mm -hmm. that makes the decision to stop at one thought that is flowing through the news feed that is information or muses flowing through your noose. The part of you that has free will is the thing that clicks and dwells. Yeah. So, you know, you as a being are like the YouTube app or like the Facebook app and your consciousness is like the news feed. Okay. Things are hitting it all the time. You have absolutely no control over whether it's your past whether it's your biology whether it's things other things are throwing at you e whether external external circumstances. they're all external and they're flowing through your news feed linearly the part of you that is free will is the thing that says wait stop on that one that's interesting yeah. i want to i want to dwell and i want to engage with that am i going yeah. to accept it or reject it yeah so well, your your free will is the is is the pause. It's it's the pause. It is the pause. It's see, this is something, and 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 and, and you then, can you can choose in that moment. Yeah, in that moment, and then you can I and you can click. select something or choose something, and then that takes on its own causal length. Well, then you're looking into neurological pathways too, yeah, right? Exactly, you're building neurological links, structures, pathways. We haven't even gotten and, into neurological oh, pathways. Yeah. That, oh, that's, that's a whole, another that's a whole another thing. Well, because the brain because is, the every, brain is elastic, right? It's, yeah. it's got a certain uh, uh, adaptability it where it's going to create. And, mm -hmm. and oh, that's like my my idea of religion is a neurolo neurological structure that is built through years and years and years of thinking about religion. My mind has physically built links and thickened built-in parts of my mind like like when you're lifting weights and stressing and yeah, struggling you're fracturing and the muscles. fracturing muscles and it builds connective tissue to order to make them stronger and bigger so you can lift more your mind is doing the same thing just in a slightly different way through neurological structures well yeah in the exact same way but different yeah 
because you're creating new and, and, and more refined neurological pathways. And the more that you use them, the more that they reconnect. It's like creating a highway, right? It's like creating a path through a, I think a path through a forest is a better way of putting it. Because the more you walk that path, the stronger that path becomes. The same thing with your free will. Your will is no longer your will when you have created such a secure pathway. A path becomes a highway or becomes a road, becomes a highway. Yeah. And so when you have done this, you have now abandoned the, 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 the stronger you make that road, the less of a free will. And again, like what you were saying, because it is the, subcon- the conscious becoming subconscious. It is pushing. Exactly. It. Like your consciousness's purpose is to build those structures bigger and bigger and bigger until they take less of your mental bandwidth in order to operate. Holy shit, we figured out free will. <laughs> You're welcome, Earth. But your free will is the point that breaks structures. Yeah. Because it is going against everything that the structure and everything that the input is trying to make happen. It is going against the ocean, the tide. Yes. The the mountain well, the of strong- everything that is saying, do this. Your free will exists in that little small voice. At the beginning of it that says, either I'm going to start a new structure or I'm going to break this one, however hard it fucking is. Well, because as strong as you make a road, there starts to become cracks. You start to see that your end result, where you got to, may have had a a, a short-term gain, but you're like, this is not where I want to be. This, this, This road that I've created, this highway that I've created in many ways has not brought me to the place where I want to be. It has brought on far more misery than it is worth. And you are given an opportunity in that to create new roads. Yeah. So let's let's bring it back to the deconstruction episode. Fuck. (laughs) All right. So (sighs) let's, let's say for me, I made this analogy in that episode of like having a radio that, like you as a deconstructionist, you took your radio, you opened it up, saw how it works, tinkered with some shit, put it back together. We got rid of the shit that didn't. <laughs> yeah. So in in my aspect of of deconstruction, I made this analogy of me tripping and falling and the whole fucking thing breaking into a million pieces, and Explode. I had to try and I had to try and figure out how to put it all back together. In that moment of figuring out how to put it all back together, that's where free will had a real moment in my life. So that was the moment where it was broken. It was done. Bong. So it, it was done. And there was a strong impulse in me, a strong sense that the future was entirely mine. I can go do whatever I want. I can believe whatever I want. The tyranny of the neurological structure that was God in me had died. I was free to do whatever I fucking wanted. And in that moment, however short it it was, whether it was weeks or days or fractions of a second, I'm not, I, I honestly don't even know. In that moment, nobody knows. There was a decision to make. Do I rebuild this radio? Do I, do I rebuild the faith that crumbled and just go back into that whole thing that I already know is bullshit 
Or do I embark on an adventure? Or do I rethink faith? There was like five or six different directions to go that were all equally intriguing, equally desirable. And it was all dependent on the idea of seeking truth and trying to think of what is the best path to go down for truth and examining things. That was the moment where in my life, in my faith, it finally wasn't my parents' religion. It finally wasn't the feeling of being strung along in a movement that I was a part of. It wasn't the Christian MC patch that was on my back. It wasn't the church that I was a part of. It wasn't the the idea of, of uh, agnosticism or atheism that was at my fingertips. It wasn't the idea of exploring secularism that was equally as intriguing to me. At that moment, there was a moment of real, true, free will. You skipped one. FM. Sorry, my brain went three different directions again. <laughs> All right, so you got FM. Or sorry, let's just do CB. FM, like FM sorry. radio? Yeah, yeah. CBD. CB. What's the CB radio? That's like the, kind of the worldwide, like kind of big, big ham radio. Comms. Yeah, comms, right. yeah. Com, comms radio. Okay. Because right now you, you tripped and broke your comms radio. What's AM? What, when you think of AM radio, what do you think of? It's, it's a certain frequency of, of stations that you can yes. get on a... But what do you get? When, when I, what I remember from getting AM radio was very talk radio. It was very uh, interactive. It was very intellectual. It was very highbrow. See, I only remember AM radio as country music. It's because <laughs> that's because we all, that's all we have out here. But out east where I lived, yeah. we had, a, if you wanted to listen to talk radio or something that was like highbrow or a little further along, it was AM. Do you know what you okay. get on fucking FM? Rock stations, fucking country stations, rock, pop stations. Country yeah. rock, pop. That was... you, you had three options in just, I know it's a, you had many, but you had three that I could see, CB, AM, FM. You could go for the superficial, which is FM. Yeah. Oh, it's easy. It's fucking easy. <laughs> Cause, but knowing you, FM's too easy. AM, it's an intellectual. It's the, it's the speaking, it's the talking, engaging. It, not, not, but not engaging. More, more observing. Because you can see it from the outside looking in. You can learn a lot. You can take a lot. And and maybe give some once in a while, but you can give. But CB, that's a different. That is interactive. That is that is connecting with something beyond yourself because you're not just receiving, but you're giving back. So, yeah, my brain went that way. I'm sorry. I may oh, have just fine. hijacked your <laughs> fucking analogy. Well, that may, I mean, that, that makes sense compared to the analogy I was making of breaking the radio, right? Yeah. And then choosing what kind of radio to rebuild in its ashes. Yes. And yeah, like the, ultimately the direction I chose was not the direction I came from. Yeah. Like, you know, as, as much as I'm still a Christian, I'm a fucking different kind of Christian than I was five, six years ago. And I think you can attest to that. Yes, but I would even say people listening to this right now, if they're Christians, don't think we're Christians. There are people out there listening to us in this moment that are like, no, I enjoy listening to these guys, but they're not fucking Christians. (laughs) Mostly because I said the word fucking Christians. (laughs) And and if you hate listening to this, I hope you know that, that... 
these what what we're talking about here we take with a certain level of a grain of salt i think yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah where this isn't it's not that we've lost our faith it's not that we don't believe what we believe because i really truly believe that jesus did die on the cross and that he was he is who he says he is in in my i don't know where you're at but with me i know earnestly deep down in my heart that he is who he says. I can't explain it. I can't, because if I could explain it, it'd be a lot fucking easier to be FM. But, no, I, no, I, I do believe this. And if you don't believe it, yeah. fuck you. No. I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> I'm not exactly going to answer that question now of like, what do I believe about being a Christian? I think that's another podcast. That is. But that's the thing. It's, it's, there's far too much nuance. Yeah. But, but like we're saying, at the point of being completely broken down of biological or mental imperatives, the decision to choose to build this neurological structure or that neurological structure or to break that neurological structure that is so big, that's the point where free will exists. Like, uh, I'll, I'll bring up a Bible passage. <laughs> not going to talk about what I believe, but here, let me just grab this Bible verse real quick. Yeah. So in, in James chapter one, it talks about temptation. So it says, temptation comes from our own desires. Some translations translate that as passions, like a saying, passion being passive to things happening to you, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. So the way I've heard that described in this idea of a noose, like from the Eastern Orthodox perspective of like desert fathers and theologians of thousands of years ago, pre-enlightenment thought of, of self and consciousness. So temptation is like a muse. It's like a spirit or something that happens outside of you. It attacks you like uh, in Genesis when Cain and Abel have their whole tiff. God says to Cain, like sin is outside your door, like like a crouching tiger waiting to overcome you and you must overcome it. Like, I don't believe that Cain and Abel were real people. Oh, really? Nope. I, as much as I believe that they're archetypes. So it's so like a metaphysical understanding of yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a metaphorical or metaphysical understanding of human consciousness that people who are very, very intelligent and knowledgeable about human experience have distilled into a really, really tight, um, like, uh, spiritual story. Like, you know how, like, uh, comedians like they work on material for months before it hits a special where they're trying to get their material tight trimmed down well it's, lean mean well that's the thing with metaphysical right it's 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 not just true it's truer than true it's truer than true like like a good comedian can make a story funnier than funny yeah you know it's through it, through tightening the act tightening, tightening material tightening well, the storytelling the to a point where it's most the, effective Everything, the pauses, the yeah. the the punchlines, everything, the the way that they say you, I, the way they say a word, not just what they say, but how they say it, the timing and the drag on everything. Yeah. So so in that, like looking at the story of Cain and Abel, thinking of 
of Cain stepping out of side of his door and having a beast pounce on him and wrestle him, trying to kill, overtake him like a tiger or like a, like a, a python or like a leopard or, or like a fucking bear or something. Sin is waiting, crouching outside your door, waiting to overtake you. It, it ties into that James passage where it says temptation or passions are, are there to overtake you. You're walking along, you're opening the door, and something outside of you, we'll call it sin, temptation, passion, whatever, hits you. And at that moment, you have a choice to make. Do I outright reject this? Push it off like a, like a football player? Boom! <laughs> you know, <laughs> tackle rejected. I'm moving on to the next tackle the next rejected. Guy. You obviously don't watch football. <laughs> Keep going. It's all right. You know, do you do you bounce a suck that motherfucker off with your shoulder and 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 advance further down the field? Or do you let it hit you? Do you struggle with it? Like, at that moment, you have a decision to make whether or not sin, a thought, bad thought. Because, like, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm such a bad person. I have so many bad thoughts. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Like, we all do. <laughs> we've get, had, o- get, we've the, had... get the fuck over yourself. Stop, stop shaming yourself for things. I've had 20 that I haven't yeah. said on this podcast. <laughs> stop shaming yourself for temptations and things that are happening to you that you have no control over. You're not a bad person because you you looked at, you know, because because a, a you know, a well-endowed chick, you know, caught your fancy for a second. Not a bad person for the, for that impulse. Yeah. You're not a bad person for that. No, it's it's biological, right? Yeah. So, at that point, an impulse, a thought, a sin, something happens to you and you can Rebuff it instantaneously and move on. No yeah. harm, no foul. No matter the fact that you thought the thought. No harm, no foul. No sin has happened there. That's a point where free will exercises itself to say no or yes to the thing that is incented the, that entered the noose, yeah. the, the spiritual organ. Same thing happens to a good thought, a Holy Spirit thought, or a good thing. You can say no or yes instantaneously. Whether or not you say no or yes at that point is not the end of it. No. Even even if a good or a bad thing has encountered you and you moved on to the next step, you know, without rejecting it outright, you still haven't outright sinned or outright done a good thing. Now you're wrestling with it. Yeah. And it, you have another opportunity for, for, for free will to exercise itself to a to accept or reject yeah so say like for the uh, the passion of lust you know at that point you're like okay notice notice really something really attractive okay i'm gonna train this a little bit further now i'm gonna start thinking about what happens if i you know what what would happen what would be the consequences if i engage with this thought like how if uh, i engaging engage. with this thought yeah so there's another step where free will has a chance to interject with what's happening to you, like a beast coming upon you and ripping your entrails out, or something good happened to you and blessing you. Yeah. And then another thing happens after that point, which is acting it out. 
Yeah. Which is where the ultimate test of sin or, or uh, enacting Holy Spirit. What, what is the opposite of sin? Like uh, as far as... Righteousness? Right, yeah. Where, where sin or righteousness happens. Where you're at the point of entertaining something enough to engage with it physically, consciously perform the act of lust or infidelity or giving in to the impulse that is bad that has happened. You have another place where the imperative of free will has a chance to accept or detract what is going on. And at that point, you are physically doing the thing. Yeah, there's you're, like three you're engaging in the in the in the yeah. act. So there there's three steps. You know, if you're going to break it down to very simplified ways, three steps: encounter, uh, engage, and do. Yep. You know, like like I said in that passage of 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 James, there, temptation comes upon you. It. Well, it it, dwells, it presents you, itself. Yeah, it, you, presents it presents itself. itself. You engage with it, and then it gives birth. It's 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 like a, you know, it, it's funny how they use that analogy of birth, right? Yeah. Because like, in there's a there's kind of a, essentially, a three step a three step process to giving birth to a child, right? Attraction. Yeah. Inception, and then birth. Yeah. That's that's the three steps to giving birth or to for something to turn. From non from something entirely non-existent to being uh, something that is interacted with and growing in stature or in momentum, and then becoming physically well, manifest. Think, and I think that's where Jesus broke the ties between the momentum and the actual manifestation, because he said, "If you look upon a woman with lust in your eyes, then you have already sent your heart. You're already there." And I think that's where it's a it's a, a, a a predetermining factor of yeah. saying, "No, you. If you've gotten to this point, you've gone too far." Yeah, he's he's giving us the imperative to stop it at the first stage. Yeah, like that's that's where you as if if you're a. Uh, I'm trying to keep this away from being solely religious, but if that's the word, the person, if that's the place where you are as a person who's attaining to the highest goal, attaining to not be sin, but be the most beneficial person to yourself and to everybody else, the place to stop is when you're in, when you encounter a passion to make the conscious choice then and there, not for it to go further. When you go to the next step, you're engaging in some level of either sin or blessing when that, when you engage with that thought, whether it's lust, like you're like, you're encountered with a beautiful woman who's not yours to engage with and, yeah. you know, in any you, way. You, 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 you've un- unintentionally or intentionally struck up a conversation. Let's say conversation. Yeah. I mean, the, the, next, uh, the next key. Okay. We're going to just keep this in the know, woman. Uh, two, two weekends ago, I was in Grand Prairie, entered the, entered the, the elevator I was in. Very attractive woman was right next to me. And we struck up a natural conversation. And, you know, thinking about it now, that could 
Like, I mean, many a person has strung up, struck up a conversation with a beautiful woman in an elevator and one or two of them wound up in each other's bedroom. Yeah. You know, in that moment, you can make the decision for this to be an innocent conversation between two human beings who respect each other as equals. Yeah. Or you can view that that person as a sexual object and then wrestle with what to do with that knowledge. And and, and the potential. And 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 then make make a good decision one way or another. Yeah. Or full on give into it and make that sinful thought a physical reality. Yeah. You know, that is the worst of the sins. Yeah. But but the second stage is a sin. It is because you, you, you are not, not, not determined, not, not the, not the choosing between the two. That's not the sin. It's the giving into the idea of, okay, I'm going to engage with this person. This is something I need to engage with. And one way or another, all of us are going to wrestle with that. And if you don't wrestle, come on, you're not. Either you're not around people. <laughs> yeah. well, I I like the MMA. I I love boxing. I love martial arts. And when they when the fir- first stage when you were talking about it, when it comes to the it's coming at you, it's called rolling with the punches. You are getting hit. You are you're you're seeing them coming, and you're whether rolling whether with you it. like it or not, some aspect of life or thought or spiritual reality is happening to you. It is happening, and there's a way to roll with the punches where you allow yourself to be contacted by it. But because of the way that you're rolling your head, the way you're moving your body, it is making contact, but it's not doing any damage. Nothing of it is actually doing anything. If you want to see a real version of that, watch any Anderson Silva fight. <laughs> He was a master of it. Oh, yeah. And if you want to see a really good way of rolling with the punches that I really enjoyed, Clay Guida and uh, Diego Sanchez. Uh, Both those guys. They were rolling with it so well in one of their best fights. Anyways, uh, it's it's rolling with those things and actually seeing it. And then when you come to the, okay, now we're going to engage in it, it comes to the struggle. And now you can choose how to engage. You can get out of it. And be like, no, this this is not engaging. I don't need to wrestle with this. This is not something I want. And you pull out. And, and unlike MMA, you're able to just pull out. You can disengage. You can say, no, this is not something I want for my life. This is not something. And because this will not only destroy me, but it could potentially destroy my life. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've met people like that. They're willing to throw away their whole life. For some of this shit. I'm like, no, I won't do it. Yeah, but but they're not saying, I'm going to throw my whole life away for this. I know people that said I would I would throw <laughs> I've met people. And okay, maybe fair enough. But not, I, not I, don't, I don't think most people do that. I think no. most people are well, led. Well, they talk shit, right? <laughs> I, I think most people are, re- are led breadcrumb by breadcrumb with these, with, by that impulse yes. that is leading them down the direction. Because every time you give in a little bit, yeah. To to the muse or to the spiritual thing that's happening. Every time your new says, okay, yes to this step, it becomes easier to say yes to the next step yeah. rather than no to the next step. Yeah. So you give you you say yes, 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 before you know what passion has entirely stumbled across you or, yeah. or entirely pounced on you. Yeah, and then it, you're it, in it, it is overcome and yeah. Yeah, I've heard people say, man, like in the end I don't even know what I was doing. Like it's like something happened to me. Because that prefrontal cortex, that part of you that is the butler, like what the pastor said to me when he convinced me to speak in tongues, 
the butler, the the you part sh- of your sh- brain shut down the butler. Yeah, and... the part the part of your brain that is like you think is making the the shots is all it's doing is making excuses. Yeah, that's what your prefrontal cortex does. It makes excuses, not decisions. I gotta learn more about the prefrontal cortex for that one. <laughs> I don't want to defend it, but I also yeah. don't want to just. <laughs> and every time you say, every time you and your will says yes to something, your your butler makes an excuse for your master. You see, you're kind of looking at uh, the decision I made last week. There, yeah, I get it making it justifying the decision that I've made. Yeah, there is times where you just post hoc, make a choice. Well, you make a choice, and then you're like, okay, how do I justify this? Yeah. Even though maybe it's bullshit, but maybe it was right. I'm not going to say every single decision we've ever made. That's the thing. We and, and most it's of the hard. time we're making a lot of bull. Like yeah. we're, we're and, justifying and it's hard a to bullshit, know, especially, especially when you're dealing with another being that is in the process of making its own yeses and making excuses, right? Yeah. And, but when it comes down to it, you as a person do have a sense of responsibility and are also in the in the throes of determinism. Like your free will isn't. A, it isn't the primordial cause. Your free will stands in opposition. It stands in defiance of the, of the reality that is determinism. And that's why when I'm encountered with the idea of is free will a thing or is determinism a thing, I say yes. <laughs> because yeah. it's not an either or proposition. My free will stands in opposition to determinism. It truly and does. not in the sense of me as the really self-assured, self-assured, cocksured type A personality says, yeah, I'm the master of my own fucking domain. Yeah, Every fuck decision that. I make is mine. That, Because that person that talks like that is entirely in the throes of passion. That person that talks like that is buying their own bullshit, their and own propaganda machine. They're hyper. And entirely, <laughs> the, the person who's the most assured of their own decision making is the person that is the most under the oh, yeah. tyranny of determinism. It's because they're hypercompensating, right? They're like, I can't just deal or think or not have a straight answer. Yeah. I have to have a straight answer. I need to give it a I need to be a hundred percent one way. Instead of saying, you know what, I have thought about this and I'm really not sure where I stand. And there's people that are not willing to do that. And I I'm like, what the f- Fucker, they give a black and white answer for everything. And I'm like, I'm not going to say that there's some things that's not a black and white. There are. But there's a lot of things that I'm like, ah, I'm willing to yeah. give a little gray on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you're, you know, you and me in 90% of our life are acting deterministically. Maybe even more percent of that. Yeah. But there are select few moments that happen where we have the opportunity to choose one direction or another. And that's not always conscious, but it is a part of our will. We don't exactly know what's doing it, but there is something that really is separate from that determinism. And once we make that decision, determinism of that 
of that decision takes over again, which is why it's so hard to separate the two as far as how I understand it. Yeah. Because every time you make a decision, another causal system of deterministic consequences happens. And eventually down the line, you're going to need to decide whether or not to accept that or reject that again. But those moments do happen. It's not the conscious butler, the conscious awake, the conscious moment-to-moment decision-making masters we think we are. The moments of real, true free will, as real as they are, happen selectively or happen rarely. And it's incredibly important to make sure that you make the most of those determined or the most of those moments because those moments of free will that you make determine another section of being in throes of consequences. Yeah. They really do. It's not, you know, free will isn't a moment to moment reality. As much as it's crucial points in time where you could go one way or another. You know, it's just, truly. Yeah. When you truly can go one way or another and it's not a result of one thing or another. It's 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 a real choice. But that's that's not the the moment to moment reality of consciousness. Well it's the same as principles and values, right? If your if your principles and your values align when no one's watching, you'll follow them. When there's nobody to impress, you'll you'll do them anyways. When it, 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 they can't be compromised, they can't be bought. Right? Everyone talks about these, like, oh, no, this is what I believe in. And I'm like, well, do you? Well, it's like, yeah, of course. It's like, well, could I pay you such and such amount of money to do the opposite? Well, then they were never your actual principles or values. Because your actual values can't be bought and they can't be predetermined. Like you, you can't. There, there are things in my life that I hope and I pray that they can't be bought. And when no one's watching, when nobody's affected, do I do them? Yeah, probably. But can somebody buy them? Oh, that I don't know. And those can only be tested with time and consequence and, and who knows what else. So the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Between free will and determinism, the answer is rest is yes. You are a result. You you are a result of your history, of your biology, of the things happening to you at the moment, of of chemical reactions going on in your brain. Yes, you are you are a result of determinism. But but, <laughs> but you get to choose the direction that your deterministic destiny takes. And then a little while later down the line, another opportunity will present itself where you get to choose a fork in the road. Yeah. Forks in the road happen. And they and, and they, they become more apparent the more conscious you are. The more you fucking open your eyes and pay attention. If you're not doing either of those things, yeah, you're going to go autopilot. Yeah. The, the less you buy your own bullshit, the more real your opportunities for, for free will yeah. happen. That yeah, I don't that, think that that's how I re- square the circle. <laughs> it, doesn't doesn't it doesn't it seem a little safe that we're <laughs> we're just like yep, 
Just be both. Yeah, but if we <laughs> were playing safe, we wouldn't have done this episode at all. That's true, because we've called it, man. We went on a lot of dynamics on this one, but yeah. But I, I mean, as somebody who wrestles with whether or not I'm the master of my own domain, yeah, it's 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 not just it's it's not just an opportunity to to bullshit on the microphone. Like this is something that I wrestle with moment to moment really when is. I'm conscious of it. That's why we didn't do it. What a month ago, month and oh, a half. Oh yeah, this this opportunity came up a while ago when you came up with the idea, and I was like. I don't know if I can do that. And you're like, oh, frick, I've done so much research. I don't it, it, We had to get to the point where we were like, okay, fuck the research. <laughs> Let's just figure this out ourselves. It's because there's enough people out there who spend years of their lives on this shit that I'm like, we'll never do it if that's the case. We, would, we wouldn't. If, if we waited till we knew everything. Yeah. Even, even though I corrected Sam Harris, I'm no Sam Harris. No. And, and I respect the guy. I really do. Do I agree with them on everything? No. And it's fine. I can disagree. <laughs> I, okay. All right. So with that being said, um, this has been a great episode. Uh, yeah, this has been fun. It has been a lot of fun. So with that, we'll have to continue this conversation. Please connect with us. Engage with us online uh, at the Facebook page, Blue Collar Philosophers. And engage with us here. Leave a comment. Give a five-star review. All that bullshit. (sighs) Share us if you can. uh, Unless you're a coward, do whatever you want. Don't give a fuck. God bless. Don't be a dick. music has been brought to us by Kirk the Riffer Wells with Liquid State Audio. He is the engineer, the mixing, and the producer. Uh, thank you so much from Devin and Mike at the Blue Collar Philosophers. Thank you for listening. God bless.